previously on Martini John. I don't think that Trump supporters are at that come to Jesus moment when they realize that they have actually made a gigantic mistake. It's it, going to be a hard. It's going to be it's going to be really hard for people to say, "Oh my <laughs> God, I made a huge mistake." Like they yeah, they oh, just I, don't. I might be going through that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I see people get so worked up that Trump's a criminal. What I I guess my perspective is different is because I grew up around Trump. We had the same barber, to be honest. You knew Lou Reed. <laughs> No, he was. We had, well, that explains we your haircut. <laughs> no. I'm looking forward to Elon Musk's brain plug-in, like brain plug port that he's making. USB port. Like USB port to your brain. Because, like, what I really want to be able to do is, like, while I'm in the middle of a conversation with somebody, I want to be watching Miller's Crossing in the center of my vision. Like, if we can just do that, then I'm totally fine. <laughs> I will oh, always look com- absolutely but compelled like by whatever movie, anyone's saying. But like uh, Idiocracy, everyone's <laughs> going to be just watching, like, a, like, some sort of stupid cooking show on how to make fish and chips. Welcome back, Martin Giant fans. This is episode number 56, which is, considering the fact that it is December 23rd, 2020, it is our Christmas episode. And we decided to cover some obvious films and not so obvious films for Christmas. It's a Wonderful Life, the all-time Americana classic from 1946, starring Jimmy Stewart and directed by Frank Capra. Classic film great film and very inspirational film that inspired a lot of people through Christmas. We paired that with The Family Man from 2000, which is a very similar theme to uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And it's starring, uh, wait, Nick Cage and directed by Brett Ratner. No, that can't be right. Brett Ratner directed a Christmas film with Nick Cage and it's a great film. Yes. In fact, we argue that it's a better film than It's a Wonderful Life. And, uh, I'm not going to back down from that. I love this film. It's an absolutely amazing film. I don't care who's in it and who directed it. It's a really great film. Uh, And it was actually suggested to us by one of our fans who follows us on Twitch. In fact, this whole episode was on Twitch. And this is something, a big thing that we're doing right now is we really want to be able to get more and more Twitch followers. So if you guys are into it, please come follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. We do live episodes. So this podcast, as you will hear when you hear it, had live had a live audience that was discussing things with us on the chat channel as we we're going. Um, and it was it was really great. It's a lot of fun. We would love to have more of you guys. Uh, and if that's a problem, you know, let us know if the, the timing's not right or whatever. We usually do them uh, at 3 p.m. on Saturdays on uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, so just let us know through all of our communication channels if that is a problem and we will be able to make adjustments for you guys or try to figure it out. But when we don't actually record a podcast, we actually do viewing parties because what happens is uh, we can do a viewing party by playing a movie from uh, Amazon Prime because Amazon owns Twitch. And you can we do commentary uh, with our with our uh with our fans on there and that's actually worked out really really well really enjoyed it uh this last week we did once upon a time in the west a fantastic film honestly the commentary on that was so so good uh we had a really great time with our guests on that and uh, and you won't be able to actually listen to that as a podcast but if you go to twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant you will see the last episode we did where we talked about it and you can follow along on the commentary on that film it was a lot of fun a lot of fun. Anyway, It's a Wonderful Life, 1946, 
and The Family Man from 2000. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Martini Giants. Is, any, is anyone else on besides? Uh, I think so. I think we had somebody. Let's see. Check the room. One second. Clamps. No, I messed it up. I deleted everybody. No. Okay. We got a couple of folks in here. You got we have a Max Mr. Terrible. Yes, Max Terrible. And uh, a Mr. Eric Shelley. <laughs> Like Eric Shelley Long. <laughs> Eric, Eric Shelley Long. That's true. <laughs> Shelley Long. You know, she never got the credit you she deserved. Went, you went I love Shelley that. Long. She made a real I went to, Oh, yeah, this is it. Sorry, we're getting moody. Yeah, up the. Uh, it's, uh, it's hey, are, you hearing, it, are you hearing Eric uh, as, a, as a slight echo, or is it just me that I'm hearing him as an echo? I only faintly hear him, so. Okay. How there about now? Okay, that's me. That's I got it. I solved it. Can't solved tell it. me the exposure on my phone. How's this? How's this? No, yeah, no, you're good. You're good. No, don't, don't gain up a little more, Eric. You're, you're too, you're too quiet. Good. Yeah, that's better. No, it, I, it was, um, it was on my side. I was trying to figure it out. It's See, I think you should start playing the music over this instead of doing the quotes from last episode. It should just be all of our technical explorations at the beginning of every new <sighs> podcast. <laughs> I don't know why I make Moon it so complicated. Moonraker. Yeah. Okay. Moonraker was fun, dude. I oh, had, that was I a good time. Fun. The that first was, hour was fun. That was a good time. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, Jason says he's going to be joining us uh, a little late. Okay. Um, but he will be here today at some point, which is nice. Um, and as he'll probably be maybe listening to it again on the podcast. So hello, Jason, even though you're not here. Yeah, <laughs> there absolutely. We go. Absolutely. What I went, uh, I went fishing this morning. Of course I did. Uh, caught myself a nice yellow fin croaker. What is that? It was there as a fish. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, look at this. It is a yellow. It's a yellow finned object. Yeah. Yeah, so you, it's not even like because uh, sometimes when you hear fish's names, they're not as accurate. Yeah. That actually looks like a Lego. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, it's like the most standard. Like if you were to draw a fish from like you know Dr. Seuss, and it's right. like silver with yellow fins. One fish, two look, fish, red yeah. fish, yellow tail, etc. Yellow fin, yeah. yellow fin croaker, <laughs> or yellow fin croaker. Yeah, not too good vibes with that one. It was a good fish, not a, a good some pep to it, some fight mm -hmm. to it, but not you know, not like a corbina. <laughs> not like a corbina. No, 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 no. Are you ever thinking of taking up like you know, like a orca style fishing off the back of the boat orca. kind of fishing? Orca style. Yeah, you know how Quint gets in the chair, straps himself in, and straps himself in, oh, oh, and does the oh. swordfish fishing? He, uh, yes, I've I've done that. You've done that? Oh, I didn't know you've done that. Yeah, I did. I caught a selfish. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, actually, wow. you did tell me this. I, did, I was imagining the, the context entirely differently, but go ahead yeah. and tell it. Yeah, it's off the coast of uh, uh, of Puerto Vallarta. I caught a eighty-five pound selfish. Oh. Man, oh man, that a <laughs> big old fish. It's a yeah, big old fish. yeah, it's bigger than me. <laughs> Selfish are the ones that look like they've been pressed in some sort of machine. Is that the one? Like got, they, 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 they look well. They look like a billfish, like a marlin or a swordfish. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Right, but right, they, right. their their top fin is like a huge sail. It's a big fan. Yeah, it's a big yeah. fan. Yeah. yeah, they're also yeah. very fast. They go like sixty-five miles an hour. That's a fast fish. They're very fast. Yeah, yeah. fast fish. Um, fish. 
but more exciting and something you know so i got st stuck down the, the rabbit hole i ended up watching a whole 45 minute youtube about uh, uh bone fishing in in the bahamas uh bonefish are incredible because they're only about like well, this big you guys can see about that big mm -hmm. but it'll go yeah about a foot or so mm -hmm. maybe they can get up to like 18 inches maybe 20 inches uh but they will go from zero to 35 miles an hour in about two seconds <laughs> yeah yeah sure right That's and, crazy. And, and 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 they'll be in like one foot of water <laughs> man oh man so you're waiting like you know just in like you know, about halfway up your calf, and then you cast to this fish, and then slam. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Very pound for pound, hardest fighting fish. To be fair, that's what I would also try and do if I got a hook lodged in my jaw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're fast, though. They're really fast. Well, yeah, like, you know, the Thrawn's a pretty big man. I mean, you wouldn't expect him to move at sixty-five miles an hour. But wait till we get this hook in his face. <laughs> I heard tuna fishing. Pretty, pretty, what was that, Eric? Too. Tuna fishing. That's. Mm. Yeah, the big tuna. Yeah, that's the big stuff. The yeah, big the stuff. Uh, well, that's off the off the coast of Long Island. Uh, that's right, Montauk. And, and it's like... Montauk and stuff. They got the big blue marlin there. Not blue marlin, blue fin tuna. Right, and those that's things right. get up to like eight hundred pounds. Eight hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew somebody who caught one of them, and it took like like twelve hours on the boat to reel that thing in. Yeah, and it was the fight of his life. It, oh but it was God. like and, six hundred pounds. And the, pounds, and the Japanese pounds. will be on the docks, and they'll pay a hundred dollars a pound. Holy smokes, really? Yeah, because yeah. it's really good sushi. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Take it right and, to Kennedy Airport. Yeah, and, so, and they take it right to Kennedy. Yeah, they put it on dry ice, take it right to the airport and ship it off. So they'll you'll get a $80,000 paycheck if you got one of those. <laughs> just so right off the boat, you just feel yep. like it. So, yep. man, man. so, so 12, 12 hour fight, 80,000 bucks. That still works out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little yep. bit higher than matte painting. You got to work on that. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. A little bit higher than matte painting. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Eric, would you mind turning up your um, mic volume just a little bit? How about... Yeah. You guys are hearing us all right, right? Uh, Museman is on. Museman. Nice. How about now? Yeah, that's good. That's there a little... Go. Yeah. Good? A little, little yeah, that's fish. good. How about yeah, this? How about this? That's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. You're good. You're good. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Okay. Uh, so today we're going to be, uh, this will probably come out as a podcast way after uh, Christmas, but these are Christmas films. And we figure we are going to reward our, um, <laughs> our Twitch listeners with some things that are more appropriate to the time. Um, <laughs> that's right. So, so that's what I figured we'd do. <clears throat> and uh, so this is our Arbor Day podcast. Is, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, this came, it was funny just because this, you guys wanted to talk about, uh, Citizen Kane and, 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 uh, Mank, right? Mank, yeah. Uh, yeah. which I, st uh, we definitely need to do. Uh, that is, that says martini giant all over it. Yep. Uh, without a doubt. Definitely for doubt. sure. But somehow I was just browsing, you know, about a week ago, I was just browsing HBO now. I still have HBO now and I'm going to get into this, why I have HBO now and not HBO max. I'm going to go on a giant, I don't know which one's which. Which one's the going, one you I'm want? going to go on this giant rant about it, but I'm going to tell the story before <laughs> that. <Okay. laughs> but uh, HBO, I was browsing HBO Now, which is what I have, mm. uh, and 
I saw uh, The Family Man listed on there. Right. And I remembered seeing this movie when it came out in theaters, which apparently is 2000. So that's, I just realized yeah. 20, years, back, 20 yeah. years ago. <laughs> 20 years ago. Yep. yep. Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, don't worry. Don't worry, Muse Man. I can explain what the problem is. It's much more severe than that. I, <laughs> I, will, tell, I, will, I will go on this rant. It'll be one of our great detours. Uh, <laughs> and and hello to Jason. It was just joining yeah, us. As well. Jason just joined us. No, uh, the HBO Max HBO Now thing is not exactly the same thing, and I'll explain that in a second. Uh, that's what Newsman is telling us. But anyway, so I watched uh, I watched Family Man again, and uh, I was worried that I wasn't going to like because I really liked it in two thousand. I was surprised mm -hmm. that I liked it right. uh, when I saw it, and then. We Were you found surprised out, because it was it was something that you thought would be really cheesy, or because you yes. don't like Nicolas Cage, or like no, no, I like Nicolas it? Cage. I love Nicolas yeah. Cage. Okay, uh, I still do. I think Nicolas mm -hmm. Cage is a highly underrated. <laughs> I, I uh, agree with you. I agree with you. It's, it's uh, a, yeah, it comes with caveats, but yeah, I agree with you. There is that. a lot of caveats to that, yeah. but but there's yeah. a, there's some interesting things about Nicolas Cage, and I really liked him in this movie. Mm -hmm. And I thought Tia Leonia is pretty Fantastic. darn good and yeah, she's great. She's really great. attractive as well. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> right. And so um, that was really compelling to me uh, when I saw it in 2000 uh, and I really liked it. So um, anyway, uh, I've said, well, I'm going to watch it because I've been, I've been going through a string of movies that I really liked in the past and watched them again and being disappointed. So mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to see if this one holds up again. The so Porky's I watched didn't it. Hold up that time? No, the, nah. so, well, <laughs> well, like uh, uh, Idiocracy was very disappointing to me. Yeah, true, true, true. You know, so it's still funny, but yeah, like not just doesn't uh, the, not the same, hang. not the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so, yes, that's exactly the other thing. I didn't realize it was a Brett Ratner film until yep. like way later. Yes, I think we discussed it on a Martini Giant uh, about a year or so ago. Where right. I was shocked that Brett Ratner yeah. directed that film, right? Uh, because this, it, it, this almost could be a Fincher film. <laughs> like, like this is to say that this is not in Brett Ratner's wheelhouse is like. I like the way you say wheelhouse. Yeah. It's so Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, it's not in his wheelhouse. So this is Brett, like the Brett Ratner reverse... is a uh, X Men Last Stand kind of director. <laughs> so this, this is this is like uh, this is like Legend and Keep, where like really great directors do kind of crappy films. This is where a really crappy director does a really great <laughs> film. <laughs> Sorry, that's Brett, another, if you're listening. That's he, another he podcast right there. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I no, did Brett, not Brett, expect that. Yeah, Brett. Brett, I will. Uh, Brett Ratner. Um, I believe he was one of the original producers of Supernatural, so I will definitely credit him with that. He yeah. also did a. He directed a wonderful doc documentary on John Cazale, which I really loved. That's um, a great one. And uh, so, like, one. there's there's good things to be said about Brett Ratner, but like, of late, he has fallen into. Uh, uh, he's also a horrible person. <laughs> Yeah, and he's got some bad news floating around him. I don't know the man, but he's got some bad news floating about him. Yeah. Um, so there's those things. I actually, you know, like I'm friends with a, a screenwriter, friend, old friend for about 30 years, and he actually worked with him to do uh, script revisions, and he flew him out to Miami or something like that for like two months. So I, I heard, I've heard stories. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, he lives a a, a rather uh, frat boyish style life at minimum. I think. Yeah, that's I've heard true. a lot of stories about him um, yeah. firsthand, uh, and yeah. I. I don't want to repeat those stories. Because <laughs> they may be libelous. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, knows, do you not knows. like him, Chris, because he's very similar to you in some ways? Or is it what's well, the Because yeah, you have the same tastes. And, you have no, the same tastes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we it's like true. to harass people the same way. Yeah, uh, so the, the thing is, I think what was interesting anyway, so I, I watched the film. Uh, your video went out somehow. Someone's video went out. Can you still hear oh, me? Oh, yeah. Now I see you. You're back. Okay. Don't know what's happening. Um, Keep an eye out. Uh, anyway, uh, the thing that was uh, really – anyway, we wanted to – I said, oh, we should do that for, for our Christmas thing, for our next episode. And I, so I suggested it. You guys suggested Mank, and then I said, well, how about that because it's Christmas thing? And then who was it? Was it Jason or Dave 3D? Dave 3D it's was D the one. Dave 3D guy because like you, uh, you, Chris, suggested Family Man right. at literally the same moment that Dave 3D guy suggested to me in a – in a, in a chat, why don't right. you guys do Family Man? And he <laughs> added to that, it's a wonderful life. Right. You should do a double feature on this. And uh, it's what I really liked about it after rewatching It's a Wonderful Life, because I've seen it many times, but I haven't mm -hmm. seen it in a long time. So I realized like these are actually very different takes on a similar idea. Completely. Yeah. Right. Completely and, right. and it was, I really thought that the Family Man actually was a pretty, considering the legacy of It's a Wonderful Life, it's a really brilliant take on the yes. same yes. thing. Yes, yeah. And very yeah, yeah. nuanced, too, and complex. Oh, because, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of reversals of what went on. It's complete reversal. Yeah. yeah, but it's not just, there's some really intricate reversal uh, storylines that they did, and it's, it's sophisticated. I was shocked, actually. When I yep. lined them up with each other, I, I had the same um, uh, kind of uh, Ratner apocalypse. Rapocalypse? Um, like, <laughs> Rapocalypse. Yes. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And uh, like, wow, that was really good. Yeah, my 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 uh, my general before we get into it, like my general experience, like I like I said, I don't know Brett Ratner. I don't know. I have anything bad to say about him, but like, there's. Plenty of you know stories floating in the internets, and uh, and most of his movies are like just kind of nonsense entertainments at right. best, like Rush Hour and stuff like that. Like Rush Hour is a pretty fun movie. I like Rush Hour and Rush it Hour is. Two is yeah, like these are they're, they're competent fun movies. Um, but like I've never put uh, Family Man very high on my list because this guy's never really made something that like knocked me out. Um, and uh, and and I think that. I don't know. I, I don't know where I was at with Nicolas Cage at that point. Um, but it, uh, like, there was nothing to draw me in, really, when the movie came out. And uh, since then, I'm pretty sure I thought I had seen most of this movie, and uh, like on HBO. And I may have seen some of it, but I, for all intents and purposes, I had not really seen this movie until I watched it basically this morning. Yeah, uh, I had never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And so my reaction is quite fresh. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and I think I'm probably in line with you guys on this one. It's a great movie. It's a Cheadle is good in it too. Oh they, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're all it's unbelievable. Good. I was They're, like, wow. the one, the, I, I, the one thing that really kind of irks me, just my, my one picky note, very picky mm -hmm. is the, the, the voice that the young, his daughter does is too like cutesy with her, like, uh, 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 uh Speech impediment. Yeah, right. Although yes, I think they, she's actually they a do good that actor. to match the kids, and the kids were really mature, and it's a wonderful life. Right, and they really yeah. kind of perceive you perceive them like young adults, like a Shirley Temple angle. And right. That's why I it, I was really the casting was really good on that too, right. because it wasn't just like you know a a, a kid you know yeah you know a yeah. stage kid from New York you know. 
No, actually, I like I like the kid in that. I like I thought it like oh, yeah. it was yeah like I, I thought her like I agree like it, like the kind especially in the uh, oh I thought you know, the kid was good as, yeah. as an actress I just didn't like her speech impediment yeah like it was forced. a little it was a little it was a little bit uh, char- characterized characterized but right. she handles she handles it really well and oh she's uh, great. And I and yeah. I also go like I I can see that uh, Dave Three guys uh, thinks the Don Cheadle stuff is uh, is a bit weak. I actually am a big fan of the Don Cheadle. Stuff I love because anything Cheadle it does. Is, Cheadle's amazing yeah. anyway. But like like the soft like the soft touch they have on that element uh, really sells me on the movie because it's the only sort of like you know like part of the movie that's invasive about the structure of the movie. And uh, and it's a big change from It's Wonderful Life where Clarence is the operative you know, uh, creature in changing Jimmy Stewart's life. Right. Um, like, uh, Clarence is a really active person who has a lot at stake. I mean, he's an angel, but he's looking to get his wings and like, there's all a lot of drama with Clarence, Right. you know, where Don Cheadle is not only is that like, uh, not only does he not do that in this, in this time period, you get a lot of sort of, uh, like, I'm going to phrase this as best I can. Like there's a, there's a flaw in Hollywood movies, particularly in the nineties where it's like, you get like the inspirational black character, like the, the magical yeah. character that comes along and makes the white guy's life better. Yeah. And like, I was a little concerned about that. Like, uh, like, uh, I actually, uh, like Whoopi Goldberg and ghost. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, no, or, or yeah, or Whoopi Goldberg in the player. But the thing is, but the thing is, I feel like Cheadle just carried over, um, uh, uh, the the Soderbergh film out of sight. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like he's he's that's like, he's, all he did was carry that over. I'm actually in this camp now. Ever since Boogie Nights, that I, he's like Cary Grant to me. He can never do a bad thing. He is amazing. Don, Ch- Don Cheadle is one of the great character actors in the past. Uh, he's he's used to hang show. out by DD all the time. No kidding, really. Oh, do, you remember, so, do you remember? Do you remember what was that? What what was that little Rose restaurant? Cafe. No, not the road. Well, he sometimes, but he used to go. What was the the brick house? It was a little yeah, brick house. Yeah, yeah, the brick house. He used to go at the brick house all the time. I used to. See oh yeah, brick house is fun. It was a pretty good place. I yeah, used to sure. see um, what's his name. Um, like sometimes he would sit next to me because I used to go there every day when I worked at DD. Was uh, uh, Pacino with his father? Oh uh, yeah, I saw the rose. Yeah, the, the Pacino at the, the rose. rose. So I would yeah, go to the yeah. rose. They kind of would give me my same lentil salad every day. I kind of right. knew them. And I'd eat there by myself. And sometimes his father and he would sit there and his father would be like, Albert, I don't know. I wouldn't do that. It's like his father's giving him advice. It's right. It's no, like, man. okay, dad. Okay. I remember Pat Finley said he said he saw, he saw Pacino over at the Rose and he wanted to go over with one of the girls at DD to the hmm. Rose and have me there and say, I'm going to drop something. We're both going to bend over and tell me which ass does Pacino look at. <laughs> <laughs> Just figure this out. Finally. Put it, put it, on, the, put it on the line. It's like, that's really? That's test? Yeah, that's it. You know, well, I saw, I did see Pacino at the Rose and, uh, and he's, first of all, he was, you know, he was, he was stunningly short. He's a very short man. Yes. He's not um, very tall. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but secondarily, he was, he was dressed in such a way that he looked like, a pile of handkerchiefs. <laughs> yes. Yes. He also he also used to just walk around with a sharpie. <laughs> right. 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 He used to have a sharpie, and so people would come and like this German group of Germans, like, oh my god, the Abuchino, and he would just have a sharpie ready and just kind of like, you know, scribble out stuff on a sharpie. <laughs> so who is it? Who is it that we used to see at the at the at the at the firehouse all the time? 
I saw The Rock there a lot. Yeah, The Rock was there, but who was the yeah. other one? Who was the comedian? Oh, 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 uh, oh, God, yeah. What's his name? The very, very uh, subtle, mild. Yes. Yeah, he's very funny. Uh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Oh, Shoot, God, yeah, he was... he's extremely funny. Extremely, yeah, he, he'd be there like every day. I'd see that guy. He was there every day. Yeah, Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald, yeah, yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah. Norm McDonald, like literally every single day. He was a client of my wife's, uh, her restaurant in Brentwood. Oh, oh really? Okay. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Listen to that. Yeah, that's random. Yeah, like he seems like a genuine Even nice Robert guy. Town. And I used to go in and talk to Robert Town because he was always there, like after his workout. Um, and because uh, there was a famous therapist above her on Sunset, and I mean, um, San Vicente in Montana. Uh-huh. And that's how I met her. I went into the store, and you know, that's how Nancy and I met at her restaurant, her cafe. But yeah, like all the George Carlin, but Robert Town was always there. Robert Town is the writer of Chinatown, I believe. Is that correct? You got it. Yep. And he yep. Talk, didn't didn't she weird, have weird, a story? Weird. Didn't didn't Nancy have a story about uh, oh, what's her name, Frau Bruja? Uh, oh, she's what? awesome. Yeah, she's funny as hell. The Frau one who played Frau Bruja, Frau um, Bruja in uh, Young Frankenstein. Oh, she used to answer the door naked. <laughs> <laughs> what's her name? Oh, um, that, that's the terrific. woman that used to do that was. Um, Oh gosh, uh, guys, come on, help us. Yeah, we'll help us out on the stream. Who plays Frau Brucher? <laughs> yes, the nurse in high anxiety. Yeah, she's uh, a, she's in um uh, she played Phyllis. Phyllis. Well. Yes. Yeah. She, yeah, the, a UPS guy came in was like, oh, man, what a day kind of story. I'll take a coffee. She likes to have her robe open and answer for the UPS guy. Completely oh naked. Cloris nice. Leachman. Yes. Oh, my Cloris God. That's Leachman. a beautiful Cloris Leachman story. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. If I, yeah, that would be a, that would be a golden day <laughs> for that UPS man. <laughs> Cloris Leachman. Cause you're never going to tell and that Mel story. Brooks used to go there. Oh my God. He did. He delivered packages there just to see. No, he used to yeah. show up there. Um, <laughs> and with his wife. And oh, that's where yeah, I also cafe. met. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's where I also would, I met, um, Milton Berle. No kidding. Good God, man. I didn't Milton know you had this Burl, whole aspect man. of your life I out ran here. into Milton. I've ran into, like, in the 70s, I ran into Sammy Davis Jr. and stuff like that. But Milton Burl, I, I ran into, um, and he, you know, it was in the 90s. He was just pretty much the same thing, you know? Yeah, sure. I, mean, like, I, I, I feel like you have, like, a thing, in, uh, like, something, some sort of magnetic object embedded in your body somewhere that draws classic celebrities to you. Like, it's amazing how many people that you have experienced from New York to here. You brought that magic with you. Like, I'm used to the Lou Reed stories. I didn't realize it also carried over to, uh, to but I, I, told, over I think here. I told you guys that old story when I was a kid. My father took me on a business trip to California. Mm-mm. I think I told you that. Like, when in 78, he took me on a business trip for his business. And he's like, you can just come with me. And so we went to Los Angeles. It was 1978. It's like 10, 9 or 10. And it, we stayed at the Beverly Hills Hotel and it was the week of the Oscars. So while he's having meetings in like a suite he got, we got, you know, people would come and talk to him about his business and having meetings with overseas clients that um, I was like bored. I was by myself. So I was like, I'll just hang out at the front. And I grabbed all these menus, pink menus from the polo lounge there at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Mm-hmm. And I grabbed a pen from the the guy that was like the valet guy who used to you know, put that and I'd stood there and I'd be like, Hey, I'll get your autograph. And it was like, Bob, hope, um, Sammy Davis, Frank Sinatra. I met Good guy. Hey kid. And, uh, <laughs> Dean, Dean Martin, Lucille ball, oh, John man. Voigt was there and he had won the night before, um, 
for coming home. And I was oh, like, nice. oh, yeah. can I hold it? So he opened it up for me as Oscars and then let me hold it. Oh, and I was crazy. like, man. And I ran into Gabe Kaplan. And you know, the guy, <laughs> And at that time, you know, uh, Welcome Back Carter was huge. And I said, mm -hmm. can I have your autograph? And he said, kid, I don't give autographs. I was like, can I walk you to your car? And he kind of looked at me. He's like, you can walk me to my car. And I walked him to his car and it was a, a convertible SLK, you know, like Mercedes. Right. And I literally walked to the driver's side as the door in his parking space. I'm like, thanks for that. And he kind of pulled out of the spot and we just kind of drove off. And I'm standing in the parking lot. Well, at least I said goodbye to him. I walked into his car and literally it was the slowest man. walk. I'm like, hey, how are you? I'm doing okay as we're walking to his car. <laughs> I, I, uh. I, I love I had a I had a crush on the woman that played his wife on Welcome Back Cotter. That yes. was like my first real crush. Uh, my first Julie real Cotter, crush was yeah. the girl, the skinny one in uh, uh, WKRP in Cincinnati, the long hair oh, girl. Oh yes, yep, yep, for sure. Not that's the, an not underrated the show. I wish people talk about that's one, a good. No, 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 no. Blonnie Anderson never did anything. I don't know. Like Blonnie Anderson's pretty funny, but she was not like she was sold as the sex pot on that show. And she's not. By the way, though, when I was at that age, I didn't. I I asked the guy for his autograph. He's like, "I'm valet, man." Like literally, I was like, you "Oh, no okay. idea. <laughs> I had no idea." And so, but I, you know. It was Bob Hope, and it was only when I came back and my father's with some clients, and he's like, "What'd you do?" I was like, yeah, "I'm getting autographs," and everyone's like, "Wait a minute, hold on, Frank Sinatra, Sammy, I still have them. Sammy Davis, Dean Martin, Lucille oh Ball, Bob Hope, um, Robert Mitchum, like everybody. They were Mitchum. just coming. It was the day after the, the Oscars. Um, yeah, man, man, Mitchum, like he must have just been doing. Um, uh, what's the one? What's the great crime film that he was in, in the seventies? Um. Oh gosh, what's it called? The fr uh, friends of Eddie Coyle, right? That's oh, really? around that around that time. Man, oh man. Yeah, that was seventies LA. You yeah. Really, kind of. It was a cool scene. Yeah, oh, that's but incredible. I'm sure there's a lot of people that slipped by my my grasp. <clears throat> Your radar. I just yeah. couldn't recognize. Them. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't really appreciate Bob Hope until relatively recently. I got into watching all the uh, on the road movies. On the road. Uh, yeah. Road to Road to Morocco. Road to all that stuff. Yeah, that was really. The great. thing is, for me, I I wasn't. I thought his, he was kind of a weird guy, but I think the thing about him I liked is that he was a big influence on Woody Allen. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so Woody had always talked about him in his early interviews with Dick Cavett, like in the 70s, you know? So you're like, oh, that's his kind of the guy. Yeah, Allen's sort of a schlubby version of Bob Hope's style humor for sure. Like yeah, and then when, when Hope would get in trouble on the on the road movies, like, <laughs> you know, the same kind of thing where yeah, he exactly. the buck <laughs> kind of thing, yeah, you know? Exactly, right. That was right, the right. same thing. It's like, well, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's some, those I, are some pretty funny-ass movies, man. Those guys had magic together, uh, uh, Crosby and Hope. That, that, what a what a good running gag that was. You know, not all those movies are, are, are A-pluses, but the ones that work are pretty goddamn funny. I got to tell yeah, you. Yeah, and his stand-up, just people wrote it for him. Yeah, no, he's, yeah, once you get that groove, for sure. You lived down the street from him, Chris. Who? You did. From Bob Hope? Oh, yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like two blocks from my house. Mr. Hope. And Dolores, and you used to go over there and play golf. Dolores Hope. Man, oh, man. That's what that she, she said. She uh, said, uh, Bob, when you died, do you, what do you, do you want to be buried or do you want to be cremated? And he goes, I don't know, surprise me. <laughs> 
that's <laughs> pretty good it's funny it's yeah, pretty good but yeah and uh we have uh, just to check in on the, the twitch stream uh from McMon- from uh, mcmonkey man uh we do want to note that rush hour is peak ratner and uh and he says why doesn't gabe cotter uh gabe kaplan rather playing gabe cotter have an oscar i think that i think we need gabe to come back in maybe a paul thomas anderson sequel to boogie nights that's how we're going to get that I think it's, yeah, right. he'll fill in for uh, uh, the late great Burt Reynolds in the next uh, the next go round. By the way, he was in he was in Coming Home. Yeah. Who? Yeah, I believe he's in Coming Home. Okay. Kaplan. Yeah, as one of the um, guys uh, in the, uh, the 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 place that you know rehabilitation center thing. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. We'll but yeah, catch up on that one. Yeah, it was, My, uh, it was actually. Going to do a big uh, catch up on uh, what's his name's films, Hal Ashby's movies, and coming on. Did you see that doc on Ashby? Oh, he did. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, the guy I used to work for is in it too, Pablo. And Mm -hmm. um, that's that was really touching to see because he used to, Pablo, the guy I used to work with, was one of his best friends. And he used to tell amazing stories about um, Ashby. I mean, he was just a. Oh, what a guy. Yeah. Man. Yeah. He was an incredible human being. That many celebrities when I was uh, uh, um, a kid because I grew up in Athens, Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the first celebrity I remember ever meeting was the uh, the guy who played the captain of the love boat. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, what's that? That's uh, Gavin Gavin McLeod. McLeod. Gavin, yeah, Gavin McLeod. McLeod. Yeah, yeah. It would be so great, Chris, if you just said Vangelis. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, uh, yeah. But that's the first one, like as a TV star or whatever. I remember because they were shooting the Love Boat in Greece, yeah. And and then uh, yeah, I did they get some European tour of the Love Boat or something. And See, I, now I remember uh, Gavin McLeod from the Mary Tyler Moore show is Murray. Yep. Right. Right. And and I was I was young enough back then. Like my mom loved the Mary Tyler Moore show, and I watched a bunch of that. But when he showed up on the Love Boat, I was like totally confused. I was like, "Why do you quit being a journalist?" <laughs> so, totally off the boat on that one. Right. The thing that can the really confusing thing is if you remember, uh, but it shows his range was um, Larry Hagman. He was mm-hmm. in Dallas, but he was also in like you know a lot of great films in the '60s. So you're kind of like, wait a minute. Oh yeah, sure. Hagman's great, man. He's great in um, uh, what? What's his? What, uh, uh, failsafe. That's, That's right. Terrific in failsafe. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah, yeah. all those all those guys. You think of them like they're like the famous. They're they're famous stuff in you know in the seventies and sixties, like all these crappy TV shows. Like they're actually actors before that. <laughs> before they got stuck yeah. on this, those ham sandwich shows, man. Yeah, before they were on Battle of the Network Stars and shaming themselves greatly, they uh, they were Battle on of the Net. I yeah. love how you just brought that up, man. I just rolled <laughs> that into that. Yeah, put that in the burrito every day. No, Dave3D <laughs> brought it up on chat. So, <laughs> mm, yes, there you go. Battle of- oh, it is there. My God, I, that was. I it was that must have happened subconsciously. It was. Uh-huh. I was seeing it in the corner of my eye. Uh-huh. Battle yeah. of the Network Stars. Beautiful. Wow, we were very mm. much in tune, Dave. <laughs> That's hysterical. No, I'm yeah. in tune with him because we both thought about Family Man. That's very uh, true. Very true. Okay, so I'm going to go on my rant about Family Man, and then I'm going to get into the actual movies. Okay, so here is exactly why I had to watch it on HBO now, because yeah. my streaming box is a Roku. Okay, because oh, yeah, it's a right. Roku. Right. Uh, I actually purchased HBO now because I don't, I, I, I'm, I've, I've cord cut it, so I have to pay for HBO now uh, uh, on my own. Mm-hmm. So I have to pay through it 
through the Roku. And because it's paid through for the Roku, I cannot have HBO Max because Roku says they want uh, uh, HBO said they want to cut a deal with Roku so they don't get as much money as they do. Because I think they take 30%, which is what everyone's right. doing, right? Right. And so it's like, you give us a deal because everyone's going to want HBO now. And so I can't get it, to, or, or HBO Max. So technically, everyone should have HBO Max who owns HBO now, except for anyone who has a Roku, because the HBO Max app is not available on the Roku. And I'm like, no, they've got to figure this out. they got to figure this out. And it's a big problem, Right. But I still have all the HBO Now stuff. I just don't have the huge library of HBO Max. Why doesn't HBO Max just change HBO Now into HBO Max? They did, but not except for people who own Roku's. Yeah, but one is like it's already on Roku. Why don't just be like, well, this is what we're because doing. HBO so that's what we Na- now. No, no, because then they they're they're trying to strong arm the people to either quit the Roku just to get the full HBO Max thing. It's all about negotiations, wow. right? Oh my God. Really but how would they get HBO Max if they quit the Roku? They want because, a Roku to pay the money, and they, they, pay them they the don't. Money. Right, right, right. They want a deal. So they, they they're deal on they're it. on purpose making HBO now suck, so they could leverage Roku into either paying for it or get people to quit Roku. That's yes. basically yes. it. Why so they're, they're making so, it suck so, on purpose. So the, and this is what's interesting: the two biggest streaming boxes platforms that are available that people use to stream content is the Amazon Fire Stick or Amazon Fire, right? Right. And the Roku, and the Roku accounts for something like forty-five to fifty percent of all streaming in the United States. That's wild right? to me. Like I, yeah, Roku is not even part of my consciousness. It's amazing. Right. Yeah. It's true. It's, because it's, a lot of TVs now just come built in with a Roku. Oh my god! It's no, yeah, yes. it's yeah. the what Vizio. Vizio, right? And so there's a lot of that. And then Roku boxes are so cheap; they're like forty bucks, right? And they're 4K HDR compatible. Okay, so they're really they're good boxes, and mm-hmm. the interface is kind of crap, but it still works really well. You know, it's it mm-hmm. just it just works. So now suddenly, it's going it's to go to this this rant. What's happened, as we know, it's in the news and something we discussed is uh, Warner Brothers has announced that every single movie that they're doing in 2021 will be coming out simultaneously yes. on HBO Max right. and right. everything else. Deal, so yeah. the journalist that I follow, Julia Alexander, who's a journalist on the, uh, who covers all the streaming stuff on The Verge, she goes, Roku now has lost their leverage. <laughs> yes. Because people are going to, like, basically HBO Max is going to be like huge in 2021, or actually right. starting right now. Right, because Wonder Woman is going to be available Christmas Day on HBO Max. Oh my god, dude! Like, because like I can imagine the the HBO meeting, like like everyone's in the meeting and they're just like, "What do we do about this Roku problem?" Like, well, it's kind of working to make HBO uh, suck on Roku only, but you know, like we really got to break this free. What do we do? And they're like, "I have a plan. Why why don't we get all of Hollywood to start releasing all their major releases on HBO exclusively, or?" We put nothing but Arliss on HBO now. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like, okay. uh, which one are this? Uh, go with this one. Yeah. All right. So Dave Foody <laughs> says you can screencast HBO Max to refer to the Roku on a PC device. Yes, technically that's correct. However, in order for me to do that, I would have to quit HBO now because I'm subscribed through the Roku. Oh, so I'd have to quit the HBO now because I can't get it on any device at all, not even the Chromecast or anything else. So I would have to quit HBO now, resubscribe to HBO now, which they won't let me do 
because if I did, it only allows me to do HBO Max, and that means I won't be able to watch it on the Roku. So I'm kind of stuck in limbo until they figured this out. And, oh my god! Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a. If I'm I get a fire stick, guy. yeah. If I get a fire stick, yeah. I could get a fire stick, but I don't want to get a fire stick. Yeah, I got. I, got, I actually I a, liked Roku because Roku seemed platform agnostic. They right. don't, you know what I mean? It's not Amazon Prime that owns it. It's not an a- Apple TV because Apple TV does the same crap as as well. It's yeah, all right. terrible, right? So, I uh, like, it, Roku seemed like the most like platform agnostic until this shit happened. And I'm right, like, oh, right. You're kidding me? Because yeah. like HBO, well, now we can we can talk about this half of the equation, which is that HBO basically just made a uh, conquered the idea of mainstream big budget cinema is now going to be streaming and they're identifying their brand as new big budget cinema. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Like they're just right. owning it wholesale. Right. You know, they're the first in line. They're coming out with Dune. They're coming out with Wonder Woman. They're going to own all that shit. <laughs> and now, so now that has divided the character of these streaming services into like what was formerly TV is now Hulu and a 60% of Netflix and HBO is mostly like you're getting it because you want first run theatrical styled content. Yeah, I have a, I have a whole thing about that, but yeah, keep going. Yep, but no, that's pretty thing? much my. I was setting you up yeah. to continue in the, on that vein because I, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. the most interesting. So part. okay, so Dave says, "And just get a Samsung Smart TV." No, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Here's what my solution is going to be, Dave. 3D. If if it doesn't get solved in the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. I am actually thinking about dumping all of it and going to a, a an Nvidia Fire, uh, uh, an Nvidia Shield uh, TV because that's actually the best quality that you can get. I don't know uh, what an Nvidia Shield TV is. What is that? It's Nvidia makes this makes a like a streaming box like a Roku whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's the nicer and fastest one. It's actually a I really see. good one, right? Uh, and that's the one I will probably end up doing. Right. But that's you're exactly right. So what's interesting is um, uh, Julia has this whole point about streaming networks, right? The streaming networks has two formulas. You go f- because of the dest the, like HBO Max has a fantastic library of content, fantastic yeah, library. That's right here. But you usually go there because you're attracted by one thing that you right. want to see, like Stranger Things or whatever right. it is. Or, and then you stay because there's more stuff that you just keep rewatching, right? right. So you, you, you go because you want to see Stranger Things and you stay because The Office is on, right? So, so that kind of stuff. So HBO Max now, what they're doing is they're like, we have to make a fantastic movie every month <laughs> that right. comes out. Right. Every month so that you are going to stick to subscription with us. Right. Uh, and I think they can pull it off if they basically start putting Dune and Wonder Woman and Yeah, I mean, like that's, that, that changes the entire stuff. flavor of that yeah. channel, right? Like, cause, yeah. I mean, they, they're, they're getting out of the business of like the minimum they're going to be doing is high quality TV style narratives. That's the, that's right. the bottom. That's the bargain basement stuff they're going to be doing. Like, you know, things like uh, Raised by Wolves or, uh, right. you know, whatever, all that stuff like that becomes their B their B product and then their A product is. Yeah. 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 I was just like, that was the, cause that's what I was, I mean, we talked about it before. This is sort of what we've been waiting to have happen is like all these channels don't really have a bold identity of what their content is. They've been trying to sort of like have it both ways. Like Netflix tries to have it both ways. They're like, we're going to do lots of cooking shows and David Fincher films, you know? Right. Um, but well, I think that right now. they just it's be good. figuring it out as they're going along because they don't really know? 
Yeah, well, I think that's what's been, what's been happening. It's like they, they've. I mean, this is like with like when USA Network started, and they're just like, yeah. we're gonna sow shitloads, shitloads of Star Trek and Beverly Hillbillies, and well, anything goes until you start watching the channel permanently, and then we're gonna get more and more focused about what we're about and choose a brand. And like uh, Netflix was the one that was headed towards being the theatrical brand, right? Like we are the we are the the high art, very classy. Here's a Fincher film. Here's an Alphonse Cuarón movie. Here's a we're going to be going for Oscars, The Irishman. Uh, but HBO just came in and owned the entire uh, mainstream middle of theatrical release, like at once, when one move. And I right. was really, I was really shocked when they were like Dunes coming out on them on in, in theaters, you know, as on the same day. Like I was just like, well, that's the end of theaters. <laughs> like, it, yeah. That's, pretty, that's yeah. basically that. But the, the, listen, <laughs> Disney's doing the same thing. Yeah. They they put out the 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 crudes two on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and by the way, don't dollars. go to the movie theaters right now. It's yeah. a it's oh absolutely that's a, yeah. That's absolutely. like going to the gas chamber. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's true. like it's <laughs> not a good true. idea. Yeah, I mean, but my, like don't go. Yeah, don't go to the movie theaters right now. It's really yeah. bad. But the crudes two came out and was the number one movie in theaters, and it made four million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just not happening, man. I mean, like, there's like the idea of like, I mean, of course, like, if if it's I know, safe it's, to... I'm sorry, he says, uh, like, Monkey Man says, like, AMC is screaming right now. It's like, well, yeah, because they were, they were, it was a racket. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was a racket. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't even, I don't even blame the theaters for the the, mm-hmm. the racket. They were, they, they were like, because the, the racket were, starts, they, yeah, right? The, the racket starts with the studios. Like, yeah. the, the studios were were causing it to be a racket because they are screwing the theaters like left and right out of of seat rentals. They're just like, okay, first two weeks of Star Wars, ninety percent of that goes to us. The whatever after that, ten percent, you know, ten percent to us, and yeah. you can keep the rest. Like, who the fuck is going to keep on seeing this thing in the movie theater after two weeks? Like, it's two weeks, big money goes to the studios. Mm-hmm. Theaters make nothing. That's how the structure was. So then they're like, right. well, I don't know, fifty bucks for popcorn. That was right. their solution, and it put yeah. everybody out of business. You right. know, they like streaming, even streaming aside, like they were in such a weak position by the time streaming hit. Like, what's the point? Like when you're, right. when, when taking, taking your kids to the movie, taking your kids to the crudes is a $150 proposition. Right. Yes. Like that's insanity. Yes. <laughs> like that's insanity. And then they're wondering why they're going out of business. Like, come right. on guys. That's silly. Like, first of all, the places are, it's the a box it's office. A, the, the average person, uh, this is, Anyway, you should listen to the the Verge cast that came out uh, uh, on Friday. Uh, this is so. This is uh, the, so. December fifth is when it came out, right? Uh, but it was uh, Julian and I talked about specifically about this subject, and they're like the average person only goes to the theater four times a year, right? Yeah. Right, and right. that's because it's really expensive. Yeah, yeah, and it's not worth it most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's I mean, like, so, so, like yeah, imagine, 15, imagine paying fifteen dollars for HBO Max, and that's right. like one movie, t- one movie ticket. Because right. if I if I if I if I took I the got family, a four K HDR TV right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. And the, the thing is, I mean, like, you, like in this country, we're like obviously a very rich country, but like even if you're like, uh, you know, on the lower end of the economic scale, your television is good enough for you to watch a movie on and be happy. Like you're not gonna be like watching the crudes going. I don't know. It could be higher res. Like, who gives a shit? Right. It's the crudes. Like, you're, right. you're, you're saturation spending fish, like, levels are off. Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody right? gives a shit about Was that, that stuff. Just me, but right? I think yeah. they were off. <laughs> exactly. You know. So, like, I mean, even if even if you're not, even if you're, you know, just a, a working job at, you know, at, uh, you know, at Walmart, like, you are going to be able to access 
you know, premium content, $15 a month HBO. Yeah, of course you're going to do that over the theater. Like that's, it's idiotic to think it would go any other way. Like it's like only like, yes, I will go to see Dune in the theater if it's safe to go. And then that night I'll also watch it on HBO. I know that's true, but like my expectations of like, if this is the way they're going to keep on going with theaters, theaters are gone. Like who wants that? Like COVID once COVID is over, who wants that? When you have that opportunity, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's the big thing, though. It's like once COVID is over and then people lose that fear, which could be another year, um, you know, I don't think they're going back. This was this was this was going to happen one way or another. I agree. It was going to happen over the next five years, but COVID just accelerated it to one year. You know, this thing is I watched with my daughter. I think I've mentioned it before. It's a a great YouTube channel, YouTube called um, it's about uh, the uh, lost uh, I bought a ghost town. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Cyril Gordo. And I follow this guy and we watch my daughter. I watch him. And you know, this week he, he, last night he posted something about going in camping on his property is 400 acres. And he bought an old ghost town. He explores all the old mines. So, and, and it's like, it's like we know him and we just kind of sit there like we're watching Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, but it's on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun, man. Yeah. And I mean, it's so much better than anything I've seen on television. I'm right. like, do you realize we're just watching this on YouTube? Right. Yeah. This guy, we're going to email and say hi and send him some artwork. It's just crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, because you bring up a great point right there. Because like, YouTube, you know, the creators for YouTube are way more responsive than people that make stuff for network. Like, right. you can write to, write to network all day long and no one's going to be like, yeah, maybe we will think about that for CSI. Like, I mean, you, you, <laughs> <laughs> like, whereas you can actually get direct contact with creators on YouTube. Yes. And that's part of the, the way that people want to work with creators. Yeah. Now. I follow several, I follow several, obviously fishing, fishing guys on, right. on, on YouTube and they're, some of the production values are like, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm, uh, suddenly I'm going on a trip in, right. you know, uh, the Persian Gulf. And right. to fish for a trigger fish on a fly sure. rod. I'm like, Oh my God, like that is amazing. Like, you know, oh, I'm going to the Seychelles, uh, yep. and, uh, fishing for, for, uh, for, for GTs. And like, and it, I'll watch it. I'm, I'm riveted. Like, you know, right. it's, it's such a great idea and they get great content on you. And, yeah, it's, and like the, it's YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy who does uh, Veritasium, which is a good, uh, science show, like that guy flies all over the world, you know, for whole episodes, but like, like right. goes to three or four different countries. So obviously like the, like the funding is there to make this happen. Like the, he's not doing that off of YouTube advertising money. He's doing right. it off of that, like off of sponsorships because people that's like right. his content and that's how it works. Who is the guy I, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, one of the, uh, either you guys or one of the guys in our chat would know the guy who does the, uh, who does all the science stuff? Who's huge? Um, Rober, Rober, yes. Mm-hmm. Mark Rober, Mark Rober, right? Yeah, yeah. He's huge. He yeah, makes tremendous, like, a couple million dollars a year. Yeah, on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, I mean, I don't like. I don't think that. And he only puts one out every two months, every right. month. But they're really, it's really good. But like, high production value, yeah. Yeah. high production yeah. value. Yeah, stuff. incredible. Yeah. As long as people know what the the turnout is, like want to know what your what your consistency, you know, like as long as you're consistent about your rate, you can have almost any kind of rate there is, like once per yeah. week, once per month, whatever it is. And you know, people don't really care. Like they would prefer it to be good and tailored to them rather yeah. than like because I mean I watched I don't know what I was I was watching some uh like uh some show that was on Netflix, but I knew that it was originally on network, and I was like oh, I'll check this thing out. I forgot how shitty network is. Oh, like yeah. it is it's like the, the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. 
I know. Like it's beneath the barrel stuff. Okay. We, really well, we went to, we went, I think we mentioned this before, but we went to an Airbnb several, several months ago when things were a little bit calmer. Yeah. Uh, and they had a, they had a, you know, they had a TV there with, you know, cable. And we watched some TV while we were, yep. you know, after the beach. And it was like, what a horrible experience. <laughs> I still love my cop ads. rock. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the constant ads, the yep. ads are horrible. Yeah, and it's just like interruption, 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 and it's yep. just and the quality of the production is terrible. Like, yeah, it's just it, terrible. Oh, you've got two hundred channels of crap. Yeah. you know, like you know, really wild, dude. I mean, Netflix, I, you know, Netflix. You you have a much better chance of hitting a good show on Netflix, and there's a Netflix ton of crap. Than, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, Netflix eighty percent garbage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a much better chance. Yeah, it's of hitting true. a good show. Very, very true. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into these movies if yeah, that's so. okay. Uh, because I think they were they were they were great. So the the premise of these films, the similarities really between these things is that uh, it's about finding out an alternative version of your life, right? And being thankful for the life you have, or something right. of that nature. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really the premise of both of these things, and they both happen around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, obviously, It's a Wonderful Life, 1946, although there's, I think it's 47. The yeah, movie is post-war. Yeah, it's a very post-war film, for sure. Okay, right. So, uh, uh, and that one uh, is interesting. So, very quick premise uh, for those of you who have not seen it, which I don't think there are many people in our audience who have not seen that movie. But just for those of you who haven't, it's uh, Jimmy Stewart, and it starts off with, the angels in heaven having a discussion about this guy named George Bailey, uh, Bailey, George Bailey, who is uh, thinking about committing suicide and that they're going to have to try to convince him not to do that and right. save his life. Right. And so uh, then it says, before we get into this, let's take a look at George Bailey's life so that you are well informed. Mr. Uh, what's his, what's his guardian angels name again? Oh, uh, uh, Clarence. 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 Let's let, let, let Clarence is going to learn about George Bailey's life. So he goes all the way back to his childhood and finds that all the different ways that George Bailey has helped people and done great things to people and really been sort of influential in the way he does. Now, what George Bailey has done all of his life is sacrifice himself for the benefit of other people. Right. That's the big message in this thing. Hmm. And then some, his hearing including his hearing, including mm -hmm. everything, including right. going on trips, including going all the things that he was ambitious to do. He sacrificed all of it in order to help people out. Right. Uh, and that was a kind of a big, a big deal. Right. Uh, your video is out, by the way. You know that, right? Yep. No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm just changing okay. this up a little bit. Good. Okay. Um, and so uh, when he, he does that, uh, then suddenly he is also uh, 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 an owner of a small savings and loan bank that's competing against the evil Mr. Potter. Right. It's such a uh, uh, yeah, caricature of a character. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a ham bone. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but anyway, uh, so he's the small bank competing. Was against that ham bank. bone in the Wizard of Oz? Is that the same guy? I'm not sure. Know. I have to look that one up. Is he? Is he uh, yeah. Hang on for a second. I'll look it up. You guys keep talking. You know what I mean? Yep. Moving this mic so I can lean back a little bit. Uh, anyway, so he um, uh, he ha gets into a situation where there's basically $8,000. You're upside down too, Dan. I don't know why you're upside down. 
My, yeah, sorry, I'm still working on this thing. My phone's uh, was overheating. It's my oh. camera, so I'm trying to find a way to cool it off. Okay, and still get something. Sorry, I'll, whoa, All lord, right. it's a disaster. We'll keep working. Go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> hey, right, uh, this anyway, might work. So, so uh, he gets in a situation where his uncle, who is one of the people who works at the bank, uh, misplaces the payment to the big bank. Mm-hmm. of eight thousand dollars which is a lot of money in 1947 and uh which is their loan payment and therefore they can't they don't have any money and they can't uh settle their books but basically he lost eight thousand dollars and right. um so uh uh oh god uh, george uh freaks out he knows that basically he's either going to be arrested or something bad's going to happen and he he goes, he gets really, really, really depressed. He starts yelling at people, starts acting completely out of character because he's normally right. a really nice guy. Right. Uh, and then uh, starts uh, drinking and uh, decides he's going to commit suicide. Uh, but Clarence convinces him not to commit suicide. And the angel shows uh, up on the bridge. And right. Inter- and then inter- intercedes. Uh, intercedes. And then he basically uh, has an idea and goes, oh, I wish I was never born, says George. Right. At which point Clarence says, oh, well, let's see what life would be like if you were never born. born. Right. At which point he goes through and realizes all the different lives that have turned out sour in the town. Right. Because he wasn't there to intervene or to do the things that he did. Right. Right. Now, here's my problem with this movie, and I still have a problem with this movie. Mm-hmm. The whole time during that whole sequence, which I, I I thought was much longer, but it's only like 15 minutes. The whole that whole thing about what your life was. Like. Oh yeah, I mean the movie is like what three hours long, and <laughs> like right. only only the last half an hour is the is, is, is that is that, is that right. whole portion of let's right. see what your life is like if you weren't right. around. That whole time, most of what he's doing is saying, don't you remember me? Don't you remember me? But, yeah, right. Yeah. And so it's kind of like I was watching it and Brady had the same reaction when he watched him. He's like, I would have gotten it by now that I'm not alive. Yeah, <laughs> he's asked exactly. everyone and he's like, and Clarence has told him. Listen, I've gone down the street and I've checked with everybody and everybody yeah. along the way. That's good, man. Hey, man yeah, check. it's like every <laughs> single one. He's like, no, don't you know who I am? Don't you right. know who I am? Well, like, no, we've established that they don't know yep. who you are because you weren't alive. And so that's the thing that's a little bit frustrating with me. It's sure. like, oh, right. just watch. There's <laughs> like, you know, the, the whole point. So he, he, I don't know. That's the only point that really bothers me about the movie. Right, Otherwise, right. it was, you know, obviously he wishes he was alive. And then which point he goes, I don't care if I go to jail. I'm just glad that. Everyone, I have my family, well, I have my, town, my family's back, right, my town's right. back. Everyone remembers me. Right. Look, this person's not an alcoholic. You know all right. these different situations. Uh, even uh, though it seemed to me as if I wasn't, it would, didn't matter if I was alive. My presence was actually part of why this town works so well. Right, right. Uh, and and you which, notice that really when he goes into the bar, mm-hmm. when he's going through that questionable time, that fifteen right. minutes, right? Because everyone's kind of. CD and drunk and oh the whole right. town's gone to hell the whole town yeah the whole, yeah, so, yeah, the whole town horrible. is like uh it's like uh it's like the scene from back to the future too when they go yeah it's like biff <laughs> is taking over yeah exactly Biff's tower right 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 yeah and, yeah. and so like my 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 general reaction to it this time uh and, and going through it it's like the is like this this works for me in a in a in a different way than it used to and relates right. to a different part of my 
sort of uh, exper- experience and opinions than it used to. Because now it actually relates more to um, like uh, America, politics, Trump, caring for oh, one another, right. and this entire yes. angle. Um, yes. And so, like the like the movie still works very well. It works very well for me. Um, uh, but it is interesting that the reason, like, the, like it is. You know, when you get to Family Man, I'm, I'm not going to uh, bury the lead on that, but when you get to Family Man, like Family Man uh, is a response to It's a Wonderful Life in that it's like, it's going, let's look at some of the, the assumptions we're Street. making. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, let's, let's look at it because like it, um, it takes a, it takes an entirely different viewpoint on the same. Well, the material. viewpoint is of the old crunchily man. Right, right. Meaning the guy that was the banker guy that everybody hated or they set up to be hate that's really what nick cage was nope or we wanted lost to be. eric for a second oh is that hey eric he made a zip sound Hello? uh you dropped out of um you dropped out of squadcast can you join squadcast again do you hear me eric? there we go uh, that was the that was what nick cage wanted to be yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, like, what's really interesting is you brought it up earlier Chris, with uh, the Barrymore you? character. No, no, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, we lost you for a moment. That was it. But no, you didn't lose me. We lost Chris. <laughs> you lost me. I'm still gone. No, but the, I feel like when they were reanalyzing that, they kind of like maybe possibly broke it out the chunks and right. and said, you know, almost like switched them around a little bit, like on a, like pieces of of note cards, mm-hmm. and it was almost like they took. All the what the guy thought the old banker guy thought was great, and what how you know about money and all that things that the greed that he accepted as the right thing to do in his life. I think they tried to you know said let's just make Nick Cage that. Or yeah, least, no, it's interesting, right? Exactly, because like oh, I think oh, that, oh, oh, sorry, you, you, you switched movies. Okay. Yeah, no, the, <laughs> no. like yeah, the no, we're just like to compare the two, and like and, yes, and, I like and like with it's a wonderful life is uh, very classically drawn, as you brought up, Eric. Like the Barrymore character is like Mr. Potter is a fucking cartoon. He's just like I'm an evil banker. <laughs> And you're like Jesus. That's strong even for me, you know. And, uh, is, and it, every, is that Jew Barrymore's uh, grandfather? grandfather. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. And uh, and so the like it, the movie is taking a very I mean and this isn't a bad thing for the movie to do but it's very it's taking very the way, stark just sides so you know, about it. The guy that gave Drew Barrymore's the Barrymore dynasty started with um, Ethel Barrymore, right? In 1906 or 1907. Yeah. Mm. And that the person that gave her his her start. Mm-hmm. And founded her and gave her the career that launched all the other family members eventually after her was a, 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 a screen, a, a playwright named Clyde Fitch, whose home in Connecticut was called Quiet Corner, which is an old estate. And uh, he is actually a ghost in the show I was talking to you guys about. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yes, you've mentioned that's, that's right. Excellent. The, the, the ghost of Clyde Fitch is the, the, the house Fitch. that that Alice moved into was Clyde's home. And right. Clyde gave the start to the Barrymore. Now I get it. That's there right. you go. Okay, it all comes right. Around. So he's that's around. actually if you look him up, and the largest ghost sighting in United States history was Clyde Fitch. Oh man, yeah, that's awesome. And that's so, uh, and a thousand people witnessed his ghost on stage. But the interesting thing about watching "It's a Wonderful Life" again is because I worked, thanks Chris, on Ghostwriter, and I worked on the Culver Studios lot. Yes, mm-hmm. yep. but. 
I feel like a lot of those set pieces, they re because they, I think they shot it there. It's a wonderful On the life. Culver lot? Yes. That makes sense. I, yeah, because yeah. you can see some exterior stuff where it's that corner triangle building. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Right? Right? And one of the signs says Jefferson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> got to be the sign. Because yeah, Nancy be. pointed it out. But yeah. the thing is, I actually feel like a lot of those set pieces were Magnificent Amberson set pieces. I think that's also true. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Because of that time period. period. Yeah. Because there's some scenes. I said, like, wait a minute. That looks like the Ambersons. Right. Yeah, for sure. For Interesting. Sure. Yeah, because you know, all that stuff, they were just using that for, like, that's where, yeah, that's where you shot. that was that's such a cool do. time, though. But, yeah, yeah like, that that 1898 kind of set piece, even the um, in Kane, where they did that shot in Culver City where there's the snow and they pulled back through the house yep. and she Classic. signs him away. That, yep. And then you have that exterior snow bank. Yeah. Because that one of those sound stages, you could freeze it. Oh, yeah, it's refrigerated. Yeah, that's right. That's amazing. And there's a hole in the wall because they couldn't move the dolly back. One of the guards told me, was, you know, like, they couldn't move the dolly back. So Orson Welles had a hole cut in the wall, and oh, it's God. still there a, because you had to pull it back to go into the house. It may not be tables. there anymore because I think they tore down a lot of those stages. Yeah, to that's, build all Amazon. that's a crime. Yeah, yeah that's all yeah, that's, There's that's some all stages are still there. Oh, I think maybe about yeah. a third of the stages are still there. But that's what you know, that's, that's what Wells and Tolan were doing. I mean, they cut holes in the floor, they cut holes in the wall, and then they get the camera right. into the camera to go. And they're the that's first to use show like really show ceilings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yes. they used muslin on the ceilings. Yeah, and they went they the the, the camera was yeah. done. We'll yeah. talk no, about that nice. when we get to the cane and, and mank. <laughs> the cane episode. and mank period, yes, exactly. Okay. But yeah, what I was, what I was going to say with um uh with uh it's wonderful it's life, etc. Yeah. is like the point of view of it's a wonderful life is like the ultimate, like the, the, the statement it's really going for is like, you know, like there's, there's great strength in community and uh, like, it's good that you have sacrificed yourself for how, you know, all this, it may not feel like it, like it added to the community, but it actually is part of, it's the mesh of the community that works. And like, I mean, it's a very post-war view. Cause I mean, that's what they just, that's what they just did with world war two. Right. It's just like everyone coming together to do something that's incredibly important. Um, and so they're maintaining that attitude um, going forward and making that movie. And the, uh, so that all the, like there are very strong villains, like Mr. Potter is, you know, like an, is a complete villain, 100%, you know, yeah. uh, the things that are good are un undeniably good and all this kind of jazz. Um, yeah. And the, the line between good and evil is very well, defined. very stark is very stark. But well, when you World come War to, II, that's yeah. the way it was, right? That's the way that, exactly. either the Germans or you're an ally. Right. right. <laughs> and, then, and so like the movie is, is very, very strongly influenced by that. And it's totally understandable. And I, and I think it also, because of that, it has a lot of strong things to say but the the interesting difference between this and family man is family man looks at it's a wonderful life and says okay what if we take all of the the goods and bads and sort of mitigate them into being realistic people like right. you know the like the mr potter character the guy who's well, like let's, the let's go through that let's let's go through that plot real quick and then we can sure. go through the analysis of these two things so the plot right. to to uh to uh family guy is uh Slightly different. It starts off with Nick Cage and Tilioni, who are just out of college, starting their careers, shall we say. And Nick Cage is about to start a career uh, uh, or start a job in uh, London, 
And he goes, I'm going to go to London and it's going to launch my career in finance or whatever he does. Um, and uh, I'm going to do that. And she's with him at the airport and she's excited. But then she doesn't want to lose him because she's in love with him. And she goes, don't go. Why don't we just say don't go and you stay here and we build our lives together now. And, and he goes, right. it's only going to be a year. It's only going to be a year. Don't worry about it. And he leaves, right? And she's devastated. And that's the start of the movie is that decision. And then you skip forward, I guess, 12 years, 15 years. I forgot how long it is in the movie, something like that. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and he is now a very successful yuppie. This is in the 2000s. Remember mm -hmm. that, right? So it's around the time of, you know, all of the those types of movies of successful Wall Street people that live right. in New York. Right. Um, and uh, uh it, it he's a very successful person uh, can do whatever he wants live in a very uh, expensive apartment building uh, and has a you know is partner in this giant company uh, so he uh, he's and he's totally like mr. business guy right very much mr. yuppie business guy uh, and you know drives Ferrari all of that stuff uh, so he goes to uh, uh, his office and his secretary says, Hey, you got a message from this girl. And he goes, Whoa. And it was like his ex, his ex, you know, his ex-girlfriend goes, I haven't spoken to her in forever. That's interesting. He's like, I guess I'll, I'll call her back later. Anyway, he goes, he goes uh, out uh, uh, in his house and it's Christmas Eve and he's going to, uh, uh, he says, I wants to buy, I think he goes to buy some eggnog, right? That's what yep. he was going to buy, right? So he goes to his convenience store in New York City, he goes to buy some eggnog. And as he's doing that, uh, Don Cheatham walks in and uh, he looks like he's trying to scam the uh the the, the convenience store the, the the yeah the convenience store uh uh proprietor with some lotto ticket scheme thing right right and the guy the, the guy behind the counter says no i've seen this trick you get out of here this is a scam you try to scratch in the letters and he goes no no you owe me 230 dollars it says it right here and he starts getting screaming nick cage gets a little concerned there's some kids and some uh, uh, uh a kid and a mother in the store and don Cheatham brings out a gun and threatens the clerk at which point nick cage decides he's going to intervene in a pretty bold way to try to calm down the guy he says hey how about i make you a business deal and i'll buy that ticket for you for two hundred dollars and it will take it to another store and he goes what are you trying to do save me and that's i love that line i love yeah. that yeah. that yeah. is such a good line uh and it's like uh it's yeah it, it was just like that was like oh, so brilliant you know it's like yeah. oh here you are mr big shot money guy you think you're gonna save me because and, right. and then so he's like no no i'm just a business proposition listen i get you 200 dollars, and i pick the ticket and i get a 30 dollar profit which was a pretty clever thing to say you know right that although obviously manipulated uh and so this is this is when I start to really like these characters, and I I, I disagree. I think Don Cheatham's character was pretty good. Oh yeah. no! Like oh, I, 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 I just want yeah, I just yeah. want to intercede and say like I love mm. Cheatham's character for what 
he does with it and what it essentially turns into. It just doesn't, it isn't obvious right off the bat what's happening. No, no, and exactly. I, and so like, yeah. it takes it, like I would say be, for, for people to watch it, just be a little patient with the way he's introduced because yes. it's all part of the plan. Yeah. The acting is, is really good. Oh, it's, so it's, it's really good acting. Yeah. Anyway. So Cheatham says, ah, I'm going to really enjoy this is what he says. And it's a hint that something's going to happen to, uh, to uh, uh, Nick Cage. Mm -hmm. Nick Cage goes to sleep in his swanky apartment uh, and wakes up in a uh, bed in a you know suburban house with Tilioni. <laughs> right, right. He wakes up from his extremely expensive Park Avenue apartment, or I, I think he was actually uh, Central Park West, so, uh, Central Park South. Right, he's just lived with this incredibly beautiful woman who's right. obviously a supermodel and all right, it yeah. is like he's like yeah, drinking and great the, whiskey and all this yes. kind of stuff. And then he wakes yeah. up and not just that wakes up in bed with Tia Lane, like wakes up in bed with like Jersey. basically the entire family. And right. it's a it's a crazy house. It's just like there's the dog in the bed and everyone's right. screaming and he's like, right. What's happening? Right. What's happening? Right. And he yeah, where's my Ferrari? Right. Ferrari, what the hell are you talking yeah, about? You know, exactly. he drives a minivan, uh he, there's kids and you know, all that. So you uh he he does the whole thing where he goes back to his apartment and and this is on christmas day by the way so he flees the house gets in the minivan drives to new york does the same scenario that basically was in this wonderful life like don't you know me don't no i don't me, know don't who you, know you no i have no idea who you are but that ends very quickly like he very much quickly figures out like yeah they get through it yeah, there's like you. This isn't uh, you, you. This is a glimpse of your life, right? Because Don Cheadle shows up again. Yeah, he shows up in in his Ferrari. <laughs> in his Ferrari, and he's like, "Hey, how you doing, Jack?" <laughs> yeah, how you doing, Jack? We call all you guys Jack. <laughs> I call all you guys Jack, which is a nice sort of double joke. But yeah, yeah like it's yeah, because like he's Cheadle's basically explains like this is a you're you're living you get, a glimpse, right? You're living you're a gl glimpse of your life of what it would have been like if you hadn't gotten on that plane. Right. All right. those years ago. And, uh, and this is where, like, I just want to put in there, uh, this is where Cheadle's character really sort of reveals himself is like, he's not there as like, like, uh, cause Clarence in the old movie is like, I got to really good, do good to get in good with the boss. And like, there's a whole like right. struggle that he's going through. Cheadle barely has time to do this gig with Nicolas Cage. Like he's yeah, like, right. I listen, this is my job. I'm an angel, but I can't just, hang around and fuck around with he never you. says gotta, he's an angel there's no implication yeah, of angelness at all yeah, it, like just, the, yes i mean like for like he never says it but he's basically the same character as clarence mm -hmm. right but what i think is really Absolutely. great is that once you realize that you realize that the uh what he was doing at the convenience store is testing the convenience store owner like he's giving that guy an opportunity to do something good Right. And well, then he later does on it at in the, the end too. Yeah. And he does it at the end as well in these very subtle ways. And it's just at that moment when Cage stepped up, he goes, Oh, I can test you then. If this guy's not going to do it, then I'm yeah, going to yeah, pass yeah. the test to you. And, uh, but even, even then it's not like he's specifically there for Cage. Like, it's just like, this is my job. I'm on the clock. Get out of the car. We'll check back in later. And right. it's a totally different experience because of that. Right. Like that 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 one moment is like you don't realize when it happens, but that's actually a big hint as to what the point of the point of view of the film is. Yeah. Sorry. So that I just want to interject that. Yeah, but that it's a very moment. secularized view, not to promote religious themes, but the the beginning of um of uh you know 
the Jimmy Stewart film. It's like you, oh, it's it shows angels. up in heaven. It's yeah. angels in heaven. Yeah. But I know. They it's very religious. It's hard angel. for me. <laughs> right. Right. Whereas yeah. like Don Cheadle is more representative of the universe itself. Right. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm it. a force of nature, you know, it's like a very much almost in the groundhog day. Yes. 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 It's much more groundhog day. Like, yeah. yep. Like you are experiencing a test and I'm not super invested. If you in particular fail or pass this test, right. I'm just here to test you. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. You know? And they're like, so, it's, not, you know, it's not big for me. It's big for you. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so anyway, he's like, Oh crap. And so now he's like, he kind of gets what's what's happened to him and he has mm-hmm. nowhere to go. So he drives back to New Jersey and uh, uh, misses, you know, and, and uh, he runs, he's trying to find his house because he doesn't remember where he lives. Right, right. He runs into someone. He asks him questions like, are you okay, dude? And like, and he realizes it's his neighbor who apparently he's known all his life. Right. right? Jeremy or, Piven is great. Jeremy Piven. Piven. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's like, Hey, you know, I redid the, <laughs> my man cage. It's like, it's awesome. But it's like, to him, it's like horrible looking, right? Yeah, this is right. Like fake, fake uh, wood, uh, wooden walls. Yeah, it's panels. nasty itself. Yeah, sure. yeah, and there's big Barca lounger and all that stuff. But, uh, but to them, it was like, yeah, this is cool, right? Uh, and so then he goes in to see Tiglione. She yells at him because she he disappeared on Christmas and no one knew where he was. Right. But then says, "I'm so glad you're safe. We'll talk about this later." And they kind of leave it at that. Right. Um, at which point he realized he also has two kids. One is an infant mm. uh, or maybe one year old or so. And then his, he has a daughter who's like two or three, three, maybe yeah, something sure. like that. And then ballpark. Uh, and the daughter looks at him and goes, you're not my dad, are you? Right. And he says, no, I'm not. And, and, basically reveals to her she's the only one of all the characters that kind of knows his who name. knows who recognizes who recognizes it right. and she becomes his guide as to what to do to be the dad right <laughs> like if you're going to play the role of dad yeah, here's what you partner. need to do yeah, right exactly. which is a really good way of making that happen right so like and she welcomes him as a, basically as a space alien who is right there replacing his her dad for a time being, and she's like, "Welcome to Earth," you know, like it's yes. like, like, like it's certainly ridiculous, but very very adorably played. Sort of like she because she's like, "I I am, as long as you're saying my dad will be back, then I'll help you out while you're here," you know. Right. And you so she's because she teams up the, with them. because there's Cheadle's motivation is not religious in a way like it was in. Um, Jimmy Stewart film, it's like, do you think by giving an otherworldly kind of quality, like why is Cheadle there? It's almost like he's giveth to the kid as well. So it's kind of like this environment or world, you know, there's a lot of special people who. Well, there's a, like, like there's a recognition. She recognizes that there is something, you know, like there has been some weird interaction at the very least. She's aware that there's a difference. Nobody else, right. everyone else is so mixed but up. The fact that she's aware I, it's just to show. I don't know to give an otherworldliness besides Cheadle. I think th- I think that's true to, to support that to make a connection to that part of the film, but also like as a sort of like a script structure kind of thing. Like it's good to have a, uh, someone on his side who can explain things and connect things for him because it saves time for the audience. 
that he doesn't have to go through these revelations. Like she can just explain stuff and then it facilitates the movie. Uh, so I thought it was like, it was a good little, it was a great screenplay contrivance to have that connection because not only does it do a nice job in sort of summing up the connect, the sort of spiritual connection that you're talking about, Eric, the magical connection, but it also makes the script happen, happen a little bit faster, which is nice. And also serves as a, as a, a touchstone to know when he has made the realization he needs to make before bringing Cheadle back into the picture. So she, she carries some of the, the Cheadle burden um, screenplay wise, uh, which helps support what the vision of Cheadle is as a not very interested participant, you know, because yeah. like she's the caring half of Clarence essentially. Like they give that right. yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. the daughter uh, and that, that allows Cheadle to be caring, but indifferent, which is a huge, huge difference in these two movies. Yes. Because well, like, there's another big difference is that his life is great. And then his yeah. life goes to what he seems thinks to is be crap. Bad. Right. But then it becomes the life that he actually. Well, his wants. life yeah. is like that brother or the guy that does all the hand things who goes off to London, who makes right. a ton of money with a kind of floozy wife in the car. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they, they were that. Well, this yeah. is the, the, the brilliance of this movie is that, and the big difference that I saw overall is that, because uh, I, do, I do like It's Wonderful Life. I think it's very good. Um, but I think that this movie was written uh, with a, with a, a very uh, thoughtful analysis of how people take It's a Wonderful Life in a negative way. Because I think that the if you were to look at It's a Wonderful Life as the way that it's often received is this very pro-nostalgia don't rock the boat movie uh, right. where it's just like, well, see, you were supposed to be here all along. Right. And the ultimate thing is just like, accept your fate. Like, well, be thankful. It's a family thing where it's just like, you know, family is the way he has dinner with his family and his yes. brothers and the well, connectedness. Like, it's a pro family. It's, thing. It's, it's, it's absolutely like, it's not representing the family as bad. It's representing the family as very, very, very good. But back when it, America it, it was is, great. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Make is America, it possible to Potter's make it again. great again, Chris? I was really hoping so. There, but but like to say that, like the the choice the, the choice he has in that movie is uh, in in It's a Wonderful Life. There's yes. a very stark choice, which is like before the movie even really begins, it says, "Here is the way your life is, and you are hating everything about it." And then the movie goes, "Well." you should accept that because it's actually good, right? Like there's no, like he doesn't have any agency. Like, like the, like the real world of the movie is the real world of the movie from the beginning of the movie. Right. And he is, and, and, and uh, what's his name? Um, um, uh, George Bailey, right. Is just learns to look at life positively, even though everything is just as shitty as it was at the start of the movie. Well, first of all, his life is not, he's made some, he's made some sacrifices in his life, but right. he never really thinks his life is crap. Right. He's actually like, he's seems a like a pretty family, happy sure. right. person the whole time. Right. You're it's just only like the, when that one thing happens that he's really gets in trouble. Then he suddenly goes, 
my life is crap. Like, it's yeah, a, it just it's, falls apart. It falls. Right? It's it's a totally little falls apart. But hokey to me that that. No, it's. I mean, it's pretty ham-handed now. It does it, sure. But I mean, that's the kind of movie it is. It's okay. And it's like McMonkey Man brought up like people didn't buy it when it first came out. Like it was like it was actually bombed when it first came out. It wasn't until oh really replay replays in the seventies uh, that it actually gained traction. And oh, I, think I didn't like, know that. Yeah, like and so it's it's sort of interesting. Like the, like the then the like people think of this as a big nostalgic movie. Like of this is how people thought back then. Well, people didn't really agree with this movie, and it bombed. Right. It oh. was in the seventies when things were super shitty like Nixon style oh, right. yeah. that they looked at this and were like, Oh, the good old days. Right. When right. actually like it's a wonderful life is a very long, depressing film about how fucking hard everything is. Like that's right. 90% of the movie. Right. And, and the movie is essentially making the argument. Like, I know it feels super shitty, but you've done good. So don't sell yourself short and accept your fate. Right. That's the ultimate line of the movie. Right? right. And in the end, he does accept his fate. And, you know, he loves his family and it's good. It's not like Mr. Potter's gone. Like Mr. Potter's still a fucking thieving, super rich asshole, you know, right. and like the, the like the money problems are immediately solved, but things are still kind of shaky. But he is he's got a new perspective on the life that he had. And that's great. But when you move to um, uh, Family Man, mm-hmm. it's doing something totally different and the opposite the opposite thing that it is doing i like it, it. Saying, i think it's a better film <laughs> it, well yeah i like i think that not only is it, it's a very subtle film a very subtle film mm-hmm. and and what it what it is saying is you have agency and choice every day like you are not george bailey you are not locked into a life that you need to um uh uh t- just accept it's saying no, you like there's a there's a cha- here's the thing that's open to, open for you to do, and it's whether or not you do it. You know, right. it, like you have you a choice remember, literally every moment. Do you remember Sliding Doors? Yeah, yeah. with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, good movie. I like that movie. That was around the same time, wasn't it? Yeah, yep, yeah. There's a there was I think that was in the air. You know, I think that there, there was definitely a because there's there's also at the same, roughly at the same time is uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Right. Which, hand, which handles a lot of the same kind of material. Like yes. there's a lot, a lot of movies along this along this sort yeah. of uh, line of thought. But like uh, Family Man, like you go into it thinking that it's going to be a Nicholas Cage. Like this is how I would have thought Family Man would have gone, which is um, Nicholas Cage uh, is uh, you know he is a rich, rich super jerk, and then he gains a family if this were an adam sandler film like he yeah. gains a family right and then he loses the family but then he and magically then he gains, gains it, it gains and it, it back. doesn't do that which and I, it which, doesn't do that i love it's that great it is i love great. that part because basically here's just just so you <laughs> so we can sum up the ending of this because it's really amazing I, that's my, my favorite part of this is the end yes yes and because basically what happens is he goes through and he slowly becomes the dad that he that he should have been, right? right. And it's it's accentuated, but but it's it's you know put a pin in it when the daughter says, "I'm so glad you're back from the alien ship," right? Right, right. Or whatever she says, or whatever she yeah. is, and it's and then he realized like I am I am now the dad, and I love being the dad, and right. I've accepted He's my life. He's embraced everything about this life. And by the way, the life is like they they live paycheck to paycheck. She's yep. a nonprofit lawyer, so they're not making a ton of money. He works yeah. at the time. He is George Bailey, really. Yeah. What he is, yeah. he works right. at the tire shop. 
(laughs) that her dad had to quit because he had a a problem, right? Uh, Heart attack. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing, right? So it is, he's George Bailey and he becomes George Bailey. And so that's the thing. And he's absolutely in love with his, with, with Tilioni. And he says uh, that that whole line is like, oh my God, you're such a beautiful, you were always beautiful in college. That whole line when he looks at her and she's like, how can you do that to me? Like you haven't seen me in forever. Yeah. And still look, and it, and it was like, oh, that's powerful stuff. It was good. Yeah. It was really, really good. Yeah, because uh, there's like the, a lot of wonderful moments in there. Well, the the great thing is, is that unlike because there's there's a distinct difference between uh, the town that George Bailey lives in in reality, right, and what would be true if he were gone, right? If if he were gone, it turns into like Skid Row, Las Vegas, right? Like it turns into the worst fucking money grubbing shithole in the world. If right. George Bailey isn't there. So those are the two lives that he can choose from. Right. And obviously he chooses the good one. Whereas right. in this movie, you would expect the, uh, the living paycheck to paycheck, uh, you know, lower middle class experience, uh, with its difficulties would be the wholesome good life that he must choose because that is good. And then right. the corporate world is bad. And instead right. the movie goes, there's goods and bads about both of these things. Yeah. And in fact, in fact, even in, in part of the film, he has an opportunity to have both. Yes, right? exactly. And, and that is a, an important part of what he yeah. does is basically. He and that re- is a possibility. Right. He's a, he weasels his way into the corporate world by saying, I propose this. And the guy who owns the, the, the office is like, we'll offer you a job. And he goes to TLA and he says, right. we can live in New York and we can be rich and you don't have to quit your job and the kids can go to private school and everything else. He goes, I don't want that. Right. What about their school and our friends and all this and that? And basically tells him, you what why do you want to do that i don't want to do that and right. she she leaves um and uh and he chooses at that point he chooses to say no to the corporate life he decides right. i well, would rather be and, with her and than, importantly and- <laughs> she almost chooses to go with the corporate life herself she thinks about it and goes like I don't know why you feel you need this, but if that is actually what you need, right. then we can figure that out. Like if that's right. what you actually need, then we can figure that out. But you have to figure out what you actually need. Right. Like that, with that like her point of view isn't like, we have to stay with the old stuff and the and being poor. No, 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 no. Like no, she doesn't no. argue with that at all. She's just like, listen, you are not seeing the goodness that is around you. And right. so I need to point out the goodness that you are that you're talking about. There's lots of good stuff there. Being rich, magnificent. I like uh, right. all the stuff you're selling. But the fact is you are threatening. You're giving up these things that we know to be great, right? right. And so if you want to do this, I can. we can figure it out. But you better understand why you are doing it and what we're gaining in trading. Right. Yeah. You know? but like you kinda, we, I always felt like you kind of get the sense what his direction was because as soon as she gave him that suit that was cheaper, right. yeah. he accepted it. Oh, it's great. It's great. You know, oh, it's like so covet, good. So yeah, good. He didn't covet the big expensive suit. It's like right. you gave it to me and it obviously means something to you and it's right. a sacrifice. Yeah, I love it. 
Yeah, and the, and not only that, like you know, his like, kind of knew where he was going. Yeah, it was so great because like he the, just to sum up the scene that was happening. Basically, he, he was walking around the mall with his family, right? Right, and resenting the mall, resenting the mall, <laughs> resenting like yes. I used to live this hor- you know amazing yeah. life. Right. And so he walks into a store and he's like, "I'm going to buy a suit the way I used to buy a suit." And he's like having a good it tailored, suit. yeah, like and have it tailored and everything. And they're looking, and he's like, he's like, "Yes, you know," he's like, "I'm I'm going to go back to that life." And she comes on, he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like wow that suit looks awesome on you she looks at the price tag it's like two thousand five hundred dollars or something crazy like that right yeah. and she goes we're not buying that and goes i am buying this for me he gets really upset and she goes yeah. fine <laughs> and just gets really upset yeah and of course he doesn't buy the suit and that's one of the best scenes in the movie yeah and, and, it, and I, that's a scene that's an argument that would have been the blowout argument that ended their relationship in any other movie but right. instead they treat it like an actual marriage where this horrible argument happens and then they slowly recover from it they're like sorry that fucking got out of control like they get they they wrap their arms around that scene instead of saying like that's the big dramatic scene to end to put a like a put a pin in the end of their marriage and and have the dramatic stakes right. like they're in the car after that and i mean he's like i'm sorry i, compl- I was a complete fucking asshole right but, you know but we're arguing about a real thing you know and yeah. then they get back to the truth she's of very she is she is unbelievable she's a very strong woman which i yes. really like mm-hmm. and she's also very understanding and forgiving because yeah. he does yeah. some real asshole things right yeah like and like she's she, not unrealistically she's not like an angel that's no. just like whatever you do honey like i mean she's like well she, let's she, get she, to the bottom she, of why you did that she forgives thing. him very quickly about the, the him leaving on christmas she yells sure. at him appropriately but she's right. like at least you're safe she, she cuts him enough slack <laughs> so that he doesn't hang himself i would say right. that that's what happens <laughs> right like, i mean like he's obviously done a dick thing uh, and she's super mad but he's like please right. don't yell at me and she goes okay i won't yell at you but we are in a fucking pinch right now right you know you're right to call then, me on just screaming but yes like we have to figure this out right and then anyway she's so so they have a uh uh their anniversary right and uh he forgets about the anniversary because he doesn't know their anniversary right uh and she gets him a suit which is similar to the suit he had, but yeah. similar to the, <laughs> but the cheap knockoff. He accepts right. it, and that's the yeah. big pivotal yeah. scene yeah. where you know that it's brilliant. It takes yeah. the edge off of whether you know you've seen here change. That's the change yes. part, right? Yeah, without a doubt, dude. And the thing I think that that's the the great argument in the movie is like that it isn't trying to represent uh, either world as an external answer to happiness. It is right. representing your choices as ways to happiness. Right. And that's a big fucking difference from the other movie. The other right. movie takes away George. Like, what? what is George going to do? Die or be happy? Okay, well, I guess I'll be happy. Like, right. whereas this movie says, listen, every choice you make, you know, like, impacts your situation. So be aware of what you're choosing and why yeah, you're choosing every, it. it. But the thing is, the big difference is that in... It's a wonderful life. God is watching. Yes, right. right. And, then, and, and here it's like the universe is present. Yeah. I'm going to show <laughs> you I'm going to show you an alternate reality. Yeah. Right. Like the universe the universe in the form of John Cheadle cares, but not overly so. Like it's still your no, he's fucking not there choice. For him. He yeah. taunts right. him. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just he's got there to his present own thing to deal with. Yeah. He yeah. is actually taunting him most of the he time. He taunts him. Yeah. He yeah, taunts he's, him. He, he's kind of an asshole to him. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the universe is doing. I mean, like it's saying it's pre- it's presenting this there's an opportunity here, you know, right. for you to be a good person. Are you going to take this? And what are the choices here? What does that mean to you that like cuz like the problems with Nic- uh, Nicolas Cage aren't external problems like George Bailey's are. Like they're internal problems as to how he uh, uh the choices he is making in his life. 
right? right? And because like, unlike other movies, like if this were any other fucking nineties movie, like the guy who is the big, rich super banking boss, uh, yeah. would be a greedy, awful douchebag. And it would be right. obvious that he's terrible. He'd like, he'd be like Mr. Potter in the other film. Right. But yeah. instead, and in fact, they cast an actor who is professional at playing dirtbags like that. Right. Yes. Uh, but instead, but he's not, but he's, he's not. nice. He's a perfectly he, nice guy. He's a he good offers, businessman. He, he, nice he offers guy. him a job and right. he gives him some perks. Perfectly reasonable, right? Yeah. And he's like, I, uh, yeah. Right. And, and, and like, or like the, uh, the, the, the woman who's like, uh, who wants to have an affair with Nick Cage, like she's like, she's got all the earmarks of being like the, the vampy, uh, seductress to start with, like the shallow vampy seductress who he's going to fall for and fuck up the whole. And you expect this entire plot to happen. And that doesn't happen. Like he basically just says, can we talk honestly about this? They do. And it's resolved because they talk openly about what is actually happening. Right. You know, and she, she's like, this is how I feel. And I'm scared. And he's like, okay, I understand what's happening. And I understand that this is an option in my life, but I'm not going to take this. Right. You know, she's not a villain. You understand her life. She's afraid and she's sad, yeah. you know, like that's what her life is. And, yeah, and he goes back to the table with Piven is like, you know, tell me her address. Right. And he, right, so, yeah. like, cause he's looking at it like, just like, uh, cause he's thinking in terms of like, I am not attached. Like the, the Leone started this as much as I may like her is not real. And so I'm going to make some time while I'm here. And it's Jeremy, right. Jeremy Piven. Who's that just, was who, the very groundhog day thing. The, yes. He's like, what the hell right. are you I'm talking about? You've got the most amazing wife stuff. in the world. Why would you, would, why would I, you I, do I, this? I'm, I'm wondering if they actually shot scenes where he's having an affair because he's just doing this groundhog day, exploring his options because Maybe. he's hopeless Maybe. and they cut it out. Because well, it, there was a weird thing about that because there's no resolution, but you right. can understand she was there for temptation and yes. you even see her in the video. And so, there's a little bit lost there. Well, if, I, of, I disagree well, that it's lost because, like, the, the greatness of it is that he's slowly it, shedding it, himself as a, of, uh, he's slowly shedding himself of being a sleazeback. Yeah, and the thing is, like, no, no, it, it becomes, lost on her, like yeah. her character, because you right. see her in the wedding video, you see her around, and you know it's almost like they cut something out. Is the way. Well, I felt th about this is her. how I feel about it. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I th that may be true, but the effect in the movie is that. She is there not so much for him, but for the audience, because she is obviously in any other movie, a big plot point that comes in and there's a story in which like he sleep, maybe sleeps with her, but then Tia Leona gets the wrong idea. And then they have a conflict because they so-and-so and none of that exists at all. So that'd be a lot to shoot and take out. Like, I think that she is there because she brings in this external story that we believe we know the story to, right? This plot though. Oh, now we're going to do this part of the story. Right. And then she just isn't she doesn't really exist she's present in the background all the time you see that this is true right. but it's not a plot that you could that you that you have to follow like you can choose to not follow that plot well she and just he represents doesn't. his temptation whether he's going to go back yes. to the old ways whether he takes his situation seriously and says screw this family i'm just going to bang this girl with big cans right or he's going to you know but that's why i felt like there was something because he it's not like she confronted him at the bowling alley. He says, you know, uh, back and forth. But he goes back to Piven and then he says, give me her address. Right. right. Absolutely. He's tempted. And then you don't he's, see he's what he does with that address. Exactly. And I think that that's the core. That's the core of what I love about this movie, essentially, is that like there's like when Cheadle shows up like and and gives him the, the option of seeing this glimpse he's not saying this is a life or death situation he's not saying you have to choose goodness george 
Bailey. He's not he's not saying like, oh, you know, like look at like like plots come into this movie. Don't come into this movie and control Nicolas Cage's life like that. And right. she represents the kind of story in any other movie that would come in and an external force that comes in and fucks up his life. And this movie has none of those things. It has lots of characters that are kind of like that. Like the dad who had a heart attack. There's no second heart attack. There's no like like that's a setup payoff. Like that feels like oh the dad had a heart attack and that's why he had to like you had to join the business and you're like this is setting setting up for the dad is now in medical danger and does Nicolas Cage have to take over the 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 tire store and that never happens. Right. Like these characters come in with all these leads built into them that are not executed and I don't mean as a criticism I mean that as a bonus like that you know, you feel the need of all of these leads of story and. The fact is, Don Schindel's point is, you don't have to take these leads. You don't have to follow the stories. Your story is yours. Like all these, all yeah, these possible leads like are a everywhere. A lot of the stuff, like the tire store, is a direct comp contradiction to what his previous life was. Like that's why he comes in and says, "Where's my office?" And he looks at it. It's not the type of office he had, right? right? Whereas before, he'd see a girl with big cans. He's like, "You're coming over my apartment," right? Right. But right. so those are the things that the are con are the, the reverse of what his previous life. Was. Oh, I totally and agree. Does he yeah. grab this they, or not? They, they, well, they, that's what I'm saying. It's like they are the seeming reverse, right? They are the seeming reverse. Like, is it, whereas in It's a Wonderful Life, they are the reverse. Like, it is literally the opposite of his life when he is not there. Whereas with this, like, when you go from a corporate wonderful, you know, supermodel experience and you wake up in Christmas, mor Christmas morning with Tealione, a dog, et cetera, et cetera, the way that that first 20 minutes of his life in that marriage are played are negative. But it is only negative because he doesn't know what the fuck is happening and he's only seeing this one little slice. So right. the, 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 the presentation of life seems negative and in opposition to his great life. Right. But slowly it becomes positive. And then when they have the opportunity to, sh to do the reverse and say, like, but now we'll show the corporate life is negative. They go, no, the corporate life is also positive. Yeah. And I was just like, what? What the fuck is this? I do, like, was not expecting that at all. The corporate no, life it is was... a perfectly reasonable choice, but it is a choice. But it is a choice. Yes. Right. And, and it was, it was really good it yes. also shows you you should be happy with what you have there's nothing wrong with what you have right now you should be happy with what you and, are choosing uh, right you and, own and, that. and don't and what uh, well dave said is like one of the great lines of the film is we could finally have the life that other everyone envies and she replies oh jack everyone already envies what we have and that is <laughs> what we have exactly it's true and specifically his neighbor was like what you know there was emphasized like what the hell are you doing right <laughs> she's an amazing right. person why would you fuck that up right because right. piven is piven is is has ceded control of his life to the right. story he perceives of his life and right. he's only he's just living the life that is that he believes is laid out for him and he's not uh -huh. doing anything to change it at all that's right. what's wrong with piven you know right. whereas nicholas cage at the beginning of the no, movie is weak though but yeah, absolutely. But like, that's the weakness that everybody has. Like, I mean, like you cede control of your life to like, oh man, you know, just nothing goes right for me. Or uh, like, oh, it's, you know, it's the fucking Mr. Potter's of the world that control my life. It isn't. Right. That's what the, the movie is just saying. This isn't true. If you want to have this, you can have it. But right. you have to make, you have to understand why you're choosing that, why you think it's good. Or maybe it's not good for you. Like maybe you're giving up good things that you don't want to give up. But think about it. Like be present in your life. 
You know, and I think that this is the big deal because, like, when it comes down to the ending, and we're about to really give away the ending, so don't listen to this if it's about to happen. Like right. the ending of this movie, in any other circumstance, is it would have he, been it would yeah he would go back to his family. He goes back somehow. to his family, happy family life, right? right? And it doesn't this happen. Does not happen. And in it fact, what happens exactly? Well, what what's more specifically what happens is like he, the moment his daughter says, "I'm so glad you're back," that means he's completely accepted his life of the family man and he's happy there right right that's why it's called the family man and so he goes to the convenience store which you already know okay here it comes to pick up something that's missing and don cheatham is at the register he goes jack good to see you and he goes oh no 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 i told you it was just a glimpse it's like it can't happen and then he he wakes up in his apartment in new york back to his rich life and and everything and uh he's extraordinarily sad <laughs> because yeah. he envies the life that he had the life that, that he just experienced yeah. the life that he just experienced yeah. now there's some loose ends here because remember the beginning is he gets a phone call from his ex-girlfriend so that's what sort of started the dream about him being with his ex-girlfriend so he right. gets in touch with her to find out where she is which is really cool. By the way, Alan uh, Sneller just uh, joined. Uh, uh, Hello, uh, Alan Schneller. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did the same thing. Mixed up Family Man with the Weatherman. I did the same thing. You're yes. entirely yes, absolutely. I, I hear your. I hear your. We pain. were going to give away the ending, <laughs> which is not a big deal. Honestly speaking, it's still completely worth watching. I don't yeah. think it's going to be like a oh a big reveal. It's it's uh, we're going to give it away, but it is one of the best endings of that you could do for a movie of this kind. It was really cool. It's almost so, a unique ending, actually. It's it's I, I've never seen anything like this. Right. Right. So basically, he gets in touch with her, calls her. And turns out that she also has a rich corporate life. <laughs> yes. But she's in the art world, right? Right. And that she's she, no longer a pro bono lawyer. She's making a she's lot not of money. A, she never was a pro bono lawyer. Right. I think she's making a lot of money. And then she is moving to Paris and she had some old stuff that she's getting rid of. And she found one of his old things that she's trying to give back to him before right. she moves to Paris. Right. And he's looking at her and remembering who you know it's like oh all of this none of it was real the whole thing was a dream and she's you know that's what it is uh and he's very very sad and she says i'm leaving to paris tomorrow and so he goes back to his corporate life he's very sad uh 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 and I would, yeah, I'm definitely saying it's probably Radner's. I don't. It's it's, it's a fantastic. Work. It's not even. That's like yeah. it not is even literally close. Like, this is like better than half of Spielberg's movies. Good. Yeah, <laughs> like it's really, it's really stunning, shocking. <laughs> and I think he wrote it too. Yes, it is unbelievable to me that he did this. It's unbelievable. Like I was the. I, I this is a Brett Ratner. I didn't know was even possible. Like yeah. in the way that, like, imagine if, like, I don't know, uh, you know, the guy that directed, I don't know, what's like, 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 imagine just some completely mediocre action director directing Tootsie. <laughs> right. Like that's the level yeah. of change that yeah. you have here. You know, like it's yeah. really, really stunning. It's really stunning. Like a, yeah, and yeah. and to, and to choose the ending that this has is beyond Hollywood. I was yeah. I was absolutely stunned. So to give so, the ending away, so, <laughs> go okay, ahead. So, yeah, to give the ending away. Basically, what happens? She has a she has a, a rich corporate life. He has a rich corporate life. He had a glimpse of what their life could have been like if he had not got on that plane, you know, ten fifteen years ago, uh, and um, 
and he realizes uh, what uh, what had happened. And so he then decides to go to the airport and try to stop her to go on the plane the same way that she tried to stop him to go on the plane to London. Right. right? So he goes through that situation and she looks back and he starts like, don't go on a plane. And she's looking at him. She turns around and goes, Oh, Jack, what are you doing here? And he says, I just trying to explain, you know, how he found it. And she's looking at him because that was a devastating thing to her that happened when he went to London. And, and he's, and she's looking, he goes, are you looking for closure? I mean, yeah. it's like, I've, I've gotten over this, you know, it's, I've moved on. I mean, I really appreciate you doing this, but you know, it's fine. I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're great. Everything's fine. And, and she goes back to getting on the plane. Right. At which point he yells and says, we have two kids. <laughs> and he yeah. starts to narrate their lives yeah. that would have been like, which right. never actually happened. And explains to her all the things that he misses. And he goes, just, just get on the plane tomorrow if you can. I just need to do this. And she says, okay. And they sit down at a table at the, at the airport and start talking. They're never going to have that life. That life never exists. The kids, gone. The everything kids, gone. gone. Everything, yep. gone. Friends, everything. All the things, it's gone. But at least he turns the conversation to the possibility of starting a new life with her. Like, just have come have a cup of coffee with me. And it's just a cup of coffee, and that's the end of the movie. And they go it's... and get a cup of coffee. That's it. And I will tell you right now, we watched this this morning, and, I, and like, like, the, I, like, we were sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Outright sobbing at the end of this movie. It made me and made us so unbelievably happy. I'm so glad this. Uplifting. I'm so yeah. glad this movie didn't disappoint me because yeah. I remember seeing I it in shocked. theaters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like this because this this movie is you know like like I'm I'm personally very I'm sure Dave 3D has been waiting for me to say this for a long time but it's just like this movie uh, has a lot to do with my own personal experience. Yeah, <laughs> without, the like, choices without, you've made. Yes, that, I yeah, can like, totally see it. <laughs> you know, and so like it rhymes so well with very heavy intense moments of my life and choices that I've made and, yeah. and things like this, that uh, I'm sure that he is, is shocked that I have not actually seen this really up until now. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever seen a romantic movie. Uh, no, uh, say so Dave 3d uh, asks uh, if Anne has seen this movie before. No, she has not seen this movie before we watched it together. And uh, I think you can imagine Dave 3d, by the way, is for all intents and purposes, my brother-in-law. So <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he's uh, uh, so when I say that uh, we watched this together for the first time, I'm sure he understands how powerful that was for us. So it was like, this movie is something that I, um, I have never seen in a rom- like a rom com for sure, in a uh, in basically any romance movie, and basically in any movie that follows the It's a Wonderful Life lead, always um, like ends on a uh, a feel good like oh don't worry you feel good about your fate uh, line where this this is like your fate's your own my man like this is this is you this is you choosing this this is you guys choosing this together and and trying to feel your way through life for real. And, uh, and there's, you know, there's goods and bads to all this, but you just need to be open and sensitive to your, uh, to what your needs are, what your partner's needs are, what your family's needs are, and what your real choices should be 
so that happiness comes from this. As opposed to saying nothing is like it's all written for you. That end uh, reminded me when I, growing up, I had uh, somebody I was very close to and he had four brothers and his mother fell in love with his father in college. Mm -hmm. And her family uh, was very well-to-do family uh, banned him. And she was in an airport and she was 32 and he was 34 and he was in front of in Canada and he was in front of the line. She's like, wait a minute. And they sat, they missed their flights and had coffee and they got married. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then they had, you know, four kids, but it was always like, wow, they were banned. He was banned from being near her. That's they had, like, the movie they I had spies. They had spies follow him around. Oh man, man, to yeah. make sure that he didn't go near her. Wow. Well, he loved like, her dearly. I'm, I'm. So you guys thought you saw this movie, or may have like you guys. You never seen it at all, then, or you said you, you thought you saw part of it. I believe, I believe actually... that I, I, I started to watch this. I definitely saw some of it. And probably right. un- I, uh, my life at the time, I was probably like, I, if I watch this movie, I may die. <laughs> so I probably okay. stopped watching it. Um, but I, I thought I, I saw it. But then I thought I saw it before Chris, but I realized it was that was I saw Guns of Navarone, so it was different. Oh, but yeah. so good. So, you, was yeah. it Force Ten from Navarone or Guns? It of was Navarone? Force Ten from Navarone. Oh, okay. so okay. I was like, okay, this is not the same film yeah. that I know. Right. And um, so, and, and they, because I kept on waiting for Carl Weathers to show up. No yeah. Carl Weathers, and that's how I was I like, God, it's yeah. now forty-eight minutes in. Where is he? Barbara Bach was supposed to be here by now. Right now. Yeah, and she's right. gone. Didn't happen. So, yeah. uh, no, I had never seen this movie before. So, yeah, but that's I loved it. Yeah, and I, I, I did so have glad. that. I did have that. Like, I, I literally, when it closed, when at the end of the movie, I was like, literally, I was, I didn't say, Dan, what a great, what a great film. Mm-hmm. I said, I cannot believe Brett Ratner directed this. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, was the first, it is my it's one. Literally, like, that is the most. I mean, it's like. It's like if Michael if Bay Spielberg directed had done it, it would have been amazing. <laughs> like that's what we're yes, talking about. <laughs> yes, yes. If Spielberg had done it, it'd be insane. like, yeah, that's a great, yeah. It, yeah. It's like Brett Ratner. Really? Yeah, like, like if Spielberg had directed this, I would have gone, wow, that's the most subtle work he's done in 30 years. It's incredible. But right. if like, like, but really you're talking about like, like Brett Ratner, you know, I don't want to bag on the Michael guy. Michael Bay. I don't know him, but he's, <laughs> a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Michael Bay-ish. It's like Mick he's like, G. He's like it was McG. like if Mick G yeah. made, you know, pie. Exactly. Nope, we lost oh, Dan. We lost you. You still there? Maya. We lost Dan. Dan, yeah. Dan, Dan. Hold on. Dan, I can still hear you. Are La- you there? We lost you on Squadcast. Dan, are you there? Dan. Ash. We can lost you, hear you me? on Squadcast. See if you can start Squadcast again. Dunk, 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 dunk. No, good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, back. back. No, sorry about that. Okay. Don't know what All right. I got you. I got you. But yeah, no, in fact, like great, Mick great, G great and, then, and Brett Ratner are so interchangeable. I just realized that it's Mick G who produced Supernatural, not Brett Ratner. Uh, maybe wrong yeah. about it. But like, like, this is the kind of, like, that's the kind of interchangeable person, like, uh, as an artist, he has been uh, since then. And so, maybe so, uh, he has incredible skills. He has incredible skills. I can't, I can't reach my keyboard as well. So, so who wrote this, this, this movie? Who wrote The Family Man? Was it? Uh, uh, let's check. Like I thought it was Ratner. Let's find out. Let's see. Mick G. That's the amazing thing about it. Mick G. Wrote it. <laughs> they are the for same Brett because they were sharing it. a place oh in God. Miami together. I believe that might be true. Okay, let's take a look. 
You pay uh, all the bills, Brett, for the high-end prostitutes. I'm going to write uh, something, a script yeah. for you. Let's see, 2000. Where are we at? 2000. God, yeah, he... Where is it? Where is it, director? Okay, so 19, 2000. Shit, like Rush Hour 2. Yeah, okay, Family Man. Here we go. Weissman so, Diamond. Cast. Uh, writers. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. David Diamond and David Weissman. Okay, let's find out what they did. Who, who are, yeah, he, who, apparently they did Evolution. And Old Dogs. With Tia Leone. And, like, what? Where? And no, no slight to these guys. I don't know these people, but like, what the what the hell, man? Like, this is like, like no, nobody involved with this movie has ever done anything like this ever. <laughs> like, it's it's absolutely magical and bizarre that this movie exists. Like, it's utterly strange to me. I mean, yeah, no, I, I think it's underrated. Out, like, yeah, like well, I think Rat this movie. Nobody nobody's seen this thing. Nobody's seen this movie. This is not a known movie. Yeah, and I think you know, it's I, I I find it I find uh, yeah evolution was done was with De Company and I think T, you're right De, uh, T Leone and De Company were married at this right yeah but that's, that's this, the thing is like this we're in the position with this movie that It's Wonderful Life was in in say 1974 like nobody had heard of It's a Wonderful Life because it had bombed in 19 like in the 40s well literally almost you know, almost the same period of time yeah I, and, I I really hope that this movie becomes a, a big this movie? movie should be it's a, uh, the new It's a Wonderful Life. Like this is a much more subtle, beautiful, and uh, to me relevant movie about personal choice than It's a Wonderful Life. Oh yeah, um, uh, Jason says uh, I guess Dante Spinotti shot this movie. I didn't I didn't notice that. Yeah, Spinotti is wonderful. Name. Yeah, Spinotti's great. Spinotti shot uh, Heat, right? I believe. Heat. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Dante. Oh. Uh, Dave 3D, basically, uh, the, the, I have two computers, one which I am uh, uh, talking to on my webcam and, and it's actually recording the actual podcast. And then I have a second computer that actually streams the, uh, uh, the, the thing on Twitch and the one that's actually streaming blue screened for some reason. So all of, sudden, all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, what happened? So, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, sorry about that, everybody. Also, also, uh, it was shot by uh, uh, Chirito. Michael <laughs> Chirito. Chirito. Slick, slick. He said slick. <laughs> I think that's it. I would love to see a rom-com prequel to Heat. That'd be lovely. <laughs> nice. The days of Stop Michael Chirito. Stop my mom will shoot. <laughs> that was it. It makes sense. Michael Chirito. Tone look. And uh, and uh, yeah, it's that's a good go. We should go with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're back. We're back to talking about uh, this film. So I, I'm like I was saying, it's like I, it, we're obviously that's an ongoing theme. We're still shocked that 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 this is the this is a film that can come out of Brett Ratner, which just goes to show, just like this film, that. <laughs> You never know what kind of great. I know this is like the uh, this is like the It's a Wonderful Life <laughs> film that Brett Ratner is just like it, like uh, like Clarence came down and said, "But Brett, you could be instead of Rush Hour, you could be making these." And he just makes this movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely mind blowing, dude. It's absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, because I feel like you know they, it's time to get some new Christmas classics together because like 
I can't do Christmas story anymore. I'm done burnt out on that one. Like I think yeah. we need, you know, it's wonderful. Life is, is great. And I certainly love a good black and white movie on in the background, but Oh, uh, by the way, there was a choice on Amazon prime when I watched it to watch it in colorized or black and white. Yeah. Oh man. And I started off That's with colorized the and I was Turner like, what the, colorization what the, what the, what the, what the? I think this one is the films that caused a big uproar and have Woody Allen testify with Ginger Rogers. <laughs> yeah, right on. Which is a movie I'd like to see in my in, in its own right. <laughs> Do you remember that when they both testified? I did no. not remember that. No, I remember Ginger the other Rogers. One. Yeah, it That's was incredible. Ginger Rogers and him, and uh, uh, a whole bunch of people testified before Congress about the Turner colorization yeah. around the time where he made Crimes and Misdemeanors. Oh, okay. What well, what are what are your opinions about the colorization movement? M- mine? Yeah. Yeah, I I it, bullshit. <laughs> well, firmly against yes yeah. yeah i just it's come on i mean that what okay okay didn't they try to do colorization on old world war, world war one films they did yeah sure yeah they did but, but they didn't you know, they use some John ai Houston's stuff to come to back that? to the- they did for oh, the um for uh, peter jackson did a movie peter called, jackson uh, wasn't yeah. that colorized that's colorized yeah and it's very good it's very beautiful it's very beautifully done i love that movie yeah yeah, yeah you see you liked it yeah, like uh, yes, but that's that's totally different than okay. Um, I agree. A Frank totally Capra colorization process. Like yeah. I would be, I'm actually all for the idea of colorization. Like if they were to do a uh, like a completely realistic recolorization of uh, It's a Wonderful Life, like I would be interested to see that. I think that sounds great, but it is a different movie. It's not the same movie. It's a totally different movie. It's a other piece of art. You know, like I like I'm, and if people have the choice between seeing the black and white and some beautifully colorized thing, they want to watch the colorized thing. They're welcome to do that. It's not like it doesn't invalidate it, but it doesn't make it good or bad all by itself. Like if they do a really nice job, that's wonderful. But that's not the movie that I fell in love with. It's a totally different work of art. Yeah, but I I think the thing was for Woody Allen at the time, and and I supported him on that was that you know Frank Capra and colorizing other artists oh, work. Yeah. You know, it's like going to f- colorizing Fellini's work. Oh, yeah, you know, that wasn't the intention, re- regardless of how he shot it, whether black and white or color, he made those choices and he made that film and he presented right. his artwork in that manner. I totally agree. Uh, when you colorize um, footage newsreels, uh, quite frankly, you don't see directed by. They've signed waivers because they just go out to the fields and shoot. And it's a to- and it's a- technically the creator is the company that made it, Pathé. Or, you know, so for me, I, I don't think colorizing, you know, it's like colorizing a Lucian Freud painting. Let's change it. And. Right. And painting on top of it myself and making a great work of art out of it. But it's not the original painting. It has nothing to do with the original painting. It's a Dan Prom experience now. Right. Sure. And, the, and the big and the big problem is uh, that the way that Turner was going about it and this and and why I agree with Alan and everybody is like the idea was they didn't have to pay residuals. Yeah. Like the, like the idea. The idea was it's perfectly fine to do this to somebody else's art. And it's not like that's not OK. Like it is right. fine if you're if you're taking something and saying we're creating new art that is not by Frank Capra. But we're using this tech technique to take, you know, we're using his work as the canvas for our new art and we're republishing it in a totally different way that is totally different as a work of art. Then that's fine by me. That's okay. And I, and I feel that way because like I feel that way about say Mad Max Fury Road, which I own, uh, in black and white because that's the way that Miller wanted it produced. The studio would not let him 
release a black and white print of that movie. So the one that you see is color. The color one is totally beautiful and a totally different movie. I'll watch the color one also, but it's a different movie mm. than the black and white one. I prefer the Plus, black and they white They colorized one. so they didn't have to pay residuals. Of course. Yeah. That's trash. It's just total trash. Art, art is art. It is not, it's not like, no matter who, who like, if Pathé owns it or whoever, like the art owns itself and you don't have a right to just go in and fuck with it and then say it's the same. It's not. Right. You know, if you make a new product, then I'm, I'm all for it. That's fine. You know, but yeah. you have to treat it like it's a new product. Like I, I went like last night and yeah, I tweeted about this last night. Nobody believed that I actually did this, but Anne and I watched Aquaman, but we watched it in black and white. And it was a much better movie. <laughs> I told you about the. I told you about the. Speaking of black and white, I told you guys about the. The. the there's a, a bar in Toluca Lake called the Red Door, where they basically uh, play movies uh, instead of games, or instead of you know sports games. Uh, right. They play movies, but they just turn the the color saturation down. Oh, to I zero. love it! I love so it. So they're like you're watching Alien in black and white, and you're Absolutely. watching like yeah. The, I do that all the, the time. The I literally thing do that all in black time. and white. Yeah, I I've think, done both. but don't they do that mm. so they don't have to? They they can't get charged. No, no, they're just playing movies. They're just playing a DVD. They, but they want the flavor to remain but the same across. The, the board, so right? the 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 the, bar, the atmosphere of the bar is that it's a dark bar with a lot of red velvet everywhere, kind of right. like yeah. You know, they do that at um. And then they they the Beverly, TVs are in black and white. It's not about yeah. I don't know if that's because they don't have to play the rights of the movie. I don't know if, if that's why they do it, but it's a cool effect. It looks it's great. awesome. They're like I actually like they're like I I watch uh, like a movie that I that I think is is actually quite great in black and white is if you watch uh, David Lynch's Dune, if you watch yeah. Dune in black and white, that is a better movie, even as a movie, like the plot works better and the feeling works better because yeah. it feels, it feels like an old flash Gordon film when you watch it in black and white. And suddenly like the whole concept comes together better. Like it's a really big acid trip version of a flash Gordon film. Right. Then I get it. Like, and I, and I always wondered whether or not Lynch intended to shoot that in black and white because he had only ever made black and white movies by that point. He had made elephant man and he had made, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, first uh, eraser head. Mm. And, uh, and so when he's shooting Dune, like he's still shooting in the black and white mindset and the movie actually works a thousand times better in black and white. It's more coherent in black and white, but that's not the way it was made. Like the art is supposed to be in color. I watch it in black and white because that's my own version of that art, but I'm never going to say that the same thing. You know, I think if people are absolutely right to do it, Colorize, don't colorize, whatever. Just don't call it the same artist's work. It's not the same sure. thing. That's about that. Yeah, it's just because he's not. I think the big thing is just they're not being represented. Exactly. And, totally. and that's that itself is a crime. Um, yep. So uh, I just, I kind of like to, if that's what the intention of the artist was, regardless of studio pressure or not, <laughs> that's what it is. Like right. I mean, at some point they're going to be able to upres. Like they're going to, you're going to be able to see like a, a North by Northwest, totally redone, so it looks absolutely photorealistic in all of its visual effects, and it's going to be 120 frames per second, and you can watch that if you want to. Well, like, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just saw that are, again from my daughter. Tons, they are remastering all these films. They're doing yes. 4K versions and HDR versions of all these films. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but that's different than what he was just saying. If, if I, if I, uh, Dan, you were saying like they like also alter the 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 looks, like the nose, absolutely. And and because this yeah, is what they do with different. motion flow, right? I mean, when you get when you buy a yeah. TV and it's set to fucking motion flow, and you watch The Godfather, and suddenly The Godfather looks like a high school play. Like it's just trash. Yeah, it's it, it looks like it looks like a general hospital, and you're like, what's going on? 
you know, like that's why they, like, why all those filmmakers. There's the beauty too. Like we just, I just showed my daughter that film last week because we have it on disc. And I just was like, I love the sets and, and the perspective lines on it. It's just incredible. And just like you, you could tell they're in the forest and they're in the sounds, pardon me, soundstage. It's awesome. Right. You totally right. buy it. I love that stuff. I want, like, you don't, like, I don't need it to look photo real suddenly. You know, that being said, if like, if they do come up with a process, and I'm sure they will in the next like five or six years, where they will be able to re-render Star Wars through an AI, the original Star Wars, and make all the visual effects like photo perfect special effects. Like the, where they, there's no longer even a question that this is absolutely photographically real. It'll look radically different, but it will look like a real like real spaceships in actual space flying towards realistic looking planets. And it's all going to look great. Right. But that will be a different film. And I'd be interested in that film. I'll watch that film. That sounds interesting, but it, but it is not star Wars and star Wars. I will still want to watch myself with all the shitty effects. Cause I like them. Like, I don't want that to be changed. It's not a flaw. Like they're just, it's just old. That's the way they did it. It's part of the art. Like when I watch um, black Narcissus, like don't touch those matte paintings. Like, yeah, I can see the bar strokes. They're beautiful. I'm looking at art. It's great. I don't need it to be a photo. You know, that's part of why it's beautiful. You know, but I think that like when you talk about colorization, like they're doing it because the idea is black and well, white is a there flaw. There was a lot of people hated it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people hated it who who were who were into movies hated it. And then a lot of people like, yeah, it's great. And they didn't really care. It's, no, and it's, a, it, right? it's the same thing that you get when you have uh, people who don't, you know, keep the 120 hertz on their TVs and have the oh, motion God. flow stuff. And they don't yeah. know. It's like how many, I mean, I know every visual effects person or anyone who works in the movie industry, when they go to visit their families, you know, at, 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 you know, during the holidays, they go to their parents' TV and turn off the motion flow on all their TVs. It's so horrifying. <laughs> it's like me. it's like a public service announcement. Like, I swear to God, go to every one of your parents' TVs and turn off motion flow. Like well, there they, was a, a consortium of filmmakers that actually got them to change to turn. They that... they do, and it's called yeah. like intent mode or director's yeah. mode <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. And yeah. and and there's actually. Uh, 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 there's actually certain TVs. I think Sony and LG have like that mode as a selectable thing that turns oh off all the colorization crap that, because they do all kinds of weird color treatments to things, things too. Right. 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 And, and so like, here's your sports color and your movie colors, just straight color. Give me what it, what it was shot. Show me how it was shot. Yeah, you know? exactly. Don't <laughs> add more contrast and make it, you know, warmer just because you think that's how people want to watch. I have, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I have a, a newer Sony. We just got uh, yeah. six, seven months ago. It's a 70 something inch. Cause I had a 10 year old TV. So I got this new one, but I, I'm telling you guys, it's not like I'm the guy that goes on vacation, you know, and changes the family's saturation levels, you know, but the saturation level of something I was watching last night. And then I watched a little today of this movie on Criterion, it was different because it was daytime. I'm telling you, the the TV is reading that it's daytime or the ambient light oh, in so the room. Oh, so it's changing to and like adjusting exposure. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, right. what the hell, really? And I really believe that's it was doing that. Yeah, I believe that's true. I mean, the your saturation phone is darker. Photos, I was like, right? wait a minute, it's so different looking. And I literally yep. just paused it and went to bed. Yeah, like because like, I mean, like your phone when you take photos with your phone, like people will look a lot younger. Because they are being photoshopped by your phone, 
Well, like, Samsung, you guys have Samsung phones. Yeah. Right. The Samsung is famous for that. Yeah. It's the, and, and, and that's because it's like, and it's not because of, uh, what you got. It's very, very popular in Korea and in, and in Asia to, to do smooth faces. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so yeah. weird. It's so yeah. weird. And, and it's almost impossible to turn it off on Samsung phones. Yeah. Cause it's like this hazy kind of like, you know, yeah. I'm just like, what the, what is this? It looks like, you know, soft porn from like the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's so ugly. Vaseline on the lens. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. It's totally bizarre. It looks like the, uh, the stuff that Cronenberg shot for video drum that was playing on the, on the uh, channel before video drum shows up. It was like gauzy, weird, you know, like, yeah, oof. yeah it's called the mommy dearest shot. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you put the stocking over the lens. Yeah. But yeah, like that's, I mean, I'd be all for, if you had a television set, you could set to make it look like a, um, you know, 1947 Academy standard, standard print with high contrast, black and white. I would do that with ba basically every movie. I'd be like, Oh, let's watch Avengers in 1946 the academy standard <laughs> like right. i would like it to be as grainy and uh and contrasty as possible please that is the yeah. way i like my stuff so i would like to go to the red door and uh and have that experience yeah i would, to I would totally watch alien and uh, grainy black and white that'd be lovely yeah yeah for sure for sure um Okay, we still have more to talk about, but I have to use the restroom. So you guys keep talking. Yeah, do you mind <laughs> when you're back, Chris? Then you're going to have to go? <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll swap out. I'm going to mute my, my mic for a second. but uh, and then uh, We're and eventually going to talk about Mank next in a couple of weeks. Yeah, 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 for sure. For uh, sure. But, but we, can, we can do a little filler on, let me, talk let me right now if you want. Okay, hold on. So, yeah, I, I've watched it a couple times. Oh, you did it twice then? I haven't done it twice. I've got the one under my belt. Um, I will be watching it Good again. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that his brother wrote it. No, oh, it's, um, it's his father, actually. Jack No. Fisher. Yep. His dad wrote that years and years and years ago. His father since died. And he's been trying wow. to make that movie since, like, the mid-90s. How great is that? Yeah. I didn't know really his father was a screenwriter. He was actually a journalist, and this is the uh, one script he wrote. But um, that's that's really great. Yeah, I thought it was really very just as a just as a thing to do. I thought it was a very powerful choice. Um, but what I wasn't expecting, and we can we'll get into this on the actual episode, is like I mean, I was really floored by Mac. I was like, this is the sets this, were great. The like the the look, like the style. All this stuff is fantastic, right? And uh, we can talk about that all, all day long. But what By I the way, Dan, I just yeah. honestly, there was a scene where he was walking down the hall with Hearst and there was a doorknob on the left. I swear that was in Amberson's. That was the same doorknob. I bet. I, 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 I bet it's true, man. I mean, Fitch is the guy who's going to do that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that might be true. But yeah, like I, I was, uh, I, I think that and people have run the gamut on their opinions over Mank. Um, but I think that people are disappointed that it's not about uh, a fight between him and Wells, or it's not it's not about Citizen Kane and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, fight with himself. It's a fight with himself. <laughs> like that movie was like that was a heartbreaking movie. Like I was like extremely moved by that movie in a way I didn't expect, and yeah. it was uh, I, I I can't recommend it enough. Just go in that knowing that it's not what you think it's going to be in the slightest. Totally different beautiful. movie than I expected. Yeah. Absolutely great. Beautiful film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, really stunned. Which one are you talking about? Mank. 
Just briefly, doing the over overview of Mank. Okay, so yes, we d I haven't seen Mank yet. I will see it, uh, and I think it'd be obviously a perfect film for us to talk about because yes. it's got martini giant all over it in terms yes, of yes, its very much content. So. Um, okay, so what's an interesting point is like someone said is like I'm really think it's hilarious that more people will see citizen kane than has ever seen citizen kane before this <laughs> yes because of this film which is wonderful which is great yeah it's so a good thing. so that is a good thing so do you guys think that we should double feature it with citizen kane i think it's a good idea uh mm -hmm. i think it's a good idea for a different way than i initially when i when we were initially talking about it now that i've seen mank and i know what mank's about like i have a different take than i expected on mm. what the double feature would be like but i think it's a good double feature for sure okay like it really is like i took without giving anything away um uh citizen kane is orson welles making a movie about william randolph hearst right um whereas mank is about uh herman mankowitz realizing that he is the one that he is examining like he is examining himself in this screenplay not anybody else not orson wells not uh not uh uh hearst not any of this stuff so whereas uh it's sort of like a combination of what we just did with um uh, family man and um it's wonderful life like it's a Wonderful Life is a very external movie about external problems and learning to face them, whereas Family Man is a movie is a movie about internal choices and how you and how you deal with them uh, right. and how you make them. Um, uh, Mank and and Citizen Kane are exactly that same difference. Yeah. Like Citizen Kane is an externalized examination, and Mank is an internalized examination. And I think that when people are going into Mank thinking it's going to be some sort of like a fun, mean film about Orson Welles. Like, yeah. you don't get that. That does not happen. That is not that movie. And instead, it's a completely internal film. And a very, it's much closer. I, I tweeted this. Like, this isn't David Fincher's um, uh, Citizen Kane. It's David Fincher's Rules of the Game. Like, mm. it is a totally different experience than I, than I, than I imagined it would be. Okay. Well, we, let's not get too much into it or give anything away. I don't want to spoil yeah. anything for myself. But uh, yeah, either. I think that I think seeing those two together is a good idea. Is the upshot of that? Okay. So we should watch the two of them now. If I'm going to do that, should I watch Citizen Kane again first before watching Mank, or watch Citizen Kane after Mank? I would watch it after. After. So start watch Citizen uh, watch Mank first, and then watch Citizen Kane. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I agree with Eric. That's 100%. a different thing that I would have done. Yeah. And it, and it actually represents exactly what I was just saying, which is just like, that's like Citizen Kane. You'll see Citizen Kane differently after you see Mank. Oh, right. Of course. You know? Okay. That and makes it's a much more sense. interesting way to go. Yeah. yeah. It's very, it's very, very, like I was, I have to see it. I'm going to watch Mank a number more times. I'm sure. Uh, probably this week. Um, right. But I, but I'm also going to be watching Citizen Kane before we talk about it, the both of them. Okay. It's definitely, definitely worthwhile. All right. Uh, okay. So then that becomes the question. Should we do that as our next double feature? Yeah. So that's our next double feature. Let's okay. do that for sure. All right. 
which now brings up the question. So let's see, today is the six. Okay, so then that means that our our next double feature is either December 26th. Oh my God, Christmas Why don't we just shoot fast. for next week to get it over with? <laughs> get it we done. could, we could. No, because the holiday comes and we lose time, puts a lot of pressure on us. And I know Chris, you get very upset. It's and, true. Yeah, and That's so true. I don't want to see you upset. So um, let's do it next week. Let's do it next week. Yeah, next week. because that way it. we could take a little break. And yeah, then all then the presidents have, is coming out next week. Yes, all the presidents men's coming out next week, which is funny because that was about the election. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm going to send right you some time. ass. We're right on time. 1994. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I'm you know I think it's you know we're we're trying to stay current with our Twitch audience, and I right. really appreciate our Twitch audience, which seems to be growing. I can't see how many followers we have right now what do you see on our uh, people are following us right now no, we got we got a few people up there no this is, hey, did you ever send that artwork out? we usually have like six or seven i think we may have 10 or so to, yeah we've know. we've almost doubled it so that's good that's, that's nice. great it's, the word's getting out there thank you very much for showing up guys. yeah it's, so it's we're so rewarding guys you guys our twitch audience with more current information <laughs> about yeah, what's going on for sure yeah. if you guys listen to the podcast which um, we're very thankful for uh you uh, unfortunately get this information uh several weeks or maybe a month or two. <laughs> exactly. It's a reminiscence episode when you get it. It's, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. A nostalgic episode of Martini Chat. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys, especially, you know, our, our regulars like Dave 3D and Jason and all those. McMuggy Man and Muse and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just Fantastic. a quick thing. I'm being nudgy about this. Did you send that thing out that I sent you, Dan? Oh, uh, yeah. No, I just got where it's going out in the next batch. We It's all signed and ready. Okay. So just say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, it's yeah. Been a while. so uh, to a couple of people in our chat, we have a uh, we have some things that will be headed your way as thanks for being fantastic. Yes, we'll, we'll say it that way. You know who you are, and uh, you'll be receiving those things. And uh, we're we're very happy and very proud to have you as listeners and uh, long term endorsers of what we're doing here. So I'm very psyched. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, because I think this is coming up on our second anniversary. Yep, it is. Yep, it is. It is. So two years of of of, of these episodes coming out. Yep. Uh, which has been pretty awesome, honestly speaking. Uh, and uh, I, that's, you know, Dan and I started doing these uh, uh, on CG Garage right. probably like four or five years ago is when we started. Yep. Yep. Um, and then Eric started joining. And obviously, you know, we kept having Eric on more and more instead. Well, and then we decided to spin it off. Yep. Uh, for those of you guys, yeah. For those of you who don't, no, like I basically decided to interrupt my CG Garage episodes with some random uh, fun chats with Dan. Uh, and those episodes typically were on the two hour plus time. Yep. Um, and uh, we we said, well, we're going to just keep going with long podcasts. Uh, I don't think people mind, right, that these are three hour episodes. People don't seem to mind. You guys can respond, by the way. I'm, I'm actually asking the audience. <laughs> yeah, no, like, uh, I actually have an audience. It's cool. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah. I think it's been very satisfying uh, experience to do the longer shows, uh, and I think that, like, I, I think that there's a, uh, I think that there's a, uh, like, podcasts work particularly well for me that are longer because I listen to them while I work. So I'm hoping that's the experience for everybody else. It's like the longer it is, the sort of like the more I get into the zone, what I'm doing more in zone. That's yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my bag. Oh uh, yes. Th thank you, Alan. Excellent. 
Uh, oh, yeah. And, and thanks. He says the original uh, Blade Runner, the last Jedi episode on the CG. Incredible. Thank you. I do remember much. last yeah. Jedi episode. I don't even remember the, what we said on the Blade Runner episode. That was pretty good. Yeah, it was the 2049 episode, I believe. And the um, and oh, uh, yeah, and yeah, with yeah. Uh, uh, and with uh, Star Wars, I think we were that's when we had um, uh, our friend come by uh, to argue about that because he loved the last Jedi and I did not love the last Jedi. I would love right. to return to this. Um, because that was a two, yeah, we did a two parter out of that one. (laughs) Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. My new opinion, which is even more unpopular is that I really love the new star Wars movie they made. And it made me like the first two movies that I didn't like very much. More. I haven't even bothered to see. I understand, and I don't expect anyone else to like it. I don't know why. I, I've seen it yeah. about five times now, and it is easily my favorite Star Wars. Uh, that Rogue One, since Star Wars, the initial set of Star Wars, and I love Rogue One. Oh yeah, Rogue One's great. It's separate from Star Wars. It's a great movie all by itself. But as part yes. of the, the the canon Star Wars list, like the latest one, uh, not only did I really enjoy it, and I thought it was very emotional, but it brought together the the first two ones of that trilogy into a zone that I really liked. And so now when I rewatch the both of them, I didn't like either of them before. Now I like them both and it's all part of the same thing. And I was like, oh, I have a good trilogy now. That's sort of nice. And nobody else says this way. I understand it, but I would love to make the argument on a very special episode. Uh, if we can get that same crew back together, that'd be very fun. Okay. Well, maybe that, we should cover the Star Wars film and you can argue that thing. And that would be a if we can, if we can uh, change the world by making uh, the new Star Wars film likable and uh, making Family Man the Christmas go-to movie, then we have done what we have come here. You've to done do. a word. <laughs> I'm going to watch the. I, I think I'm going to watch the Family Man a couple more times yes. before yes. Christmas because it's like what a movie, what a movie, wow. That, yeah. that talk about a left field experience, man. That was like, I was like, okay, this will be good. I bet this will be good. And then cut to two hours later, like sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> I am quite proud. That, yeah. That was very, I, 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 you know what? I was, it, it's funny because like I was, it was exactly like I was saying. I was like, you know, I'm, I've been excited about movies that I remember from the past and then rewatching it, like, like, uh, 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 idiocracy. It's like, it somehow doesn't feel good anymore to watch that movie. Right. It was right. just not a fun movie. And then legend obviously is like, well, of course I liked it cause I was 13. Right. Or whatever, you know? <laughs> right. So, because so Sarah and the dancing scene. Exactly. Right. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and I was suddenly like, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it again to see if it's worth it. And then I said, Oh my God, this is still a really good movie. But even as I said that, I was hesitant to recommend it to you guys. <laughs> and I was Why? like, because, because somehow maybe, I, maybe I'm seeing something that you're going to go, it's like, yeah, it was okay. You know? and, and, I, and then when you guys said, no, nah, I think I saw this movie. I don't know if I liked it or whatever. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, it might, it might, you might have felt that way yeah. because sometimes, sometimes I can be a judgmental asshole. Sometimes. No, no, no. <laughs> I just like don't maybe. say that, Dan. No. I, I, would, I would not. I would not criticize you. Somehow, no. I was like, I was like, oh, maybe, they, maybe, they, maybe it's just me. Maybe there's something about me that made that. And I think it's true, right? There, you also made the the the, the parallels between this and uh, um, uh, Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. There's a lot of similarities between yep. those two movies. Now, Internal Sunshine is 
we should do an episode about that as well. Yes. One of the best movies I've ever seen. Fantastic. Fantastic film. film. It's yeah. a much more artsy film. Family Man yep. is much more like a approachable film, but yep. it's just as powerful a message. Yeah. Uh, it, like I would say that it has a similar impact on me. It's sort of like the relationship version of the Truman show. Right. Yeah. Like that, oh, right. That, yeah. That's, that's a much more close, uh, this is a closer experience, uh, than, uh, rom-com about Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, like, yes, yeah. it is a rom-com about Christmas and it has a lot of these touchstones in it. But the, uh, but like, just like with when you brought up Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day is very good the first time you see it. Uh, but it grows in depth the more you see it. Like you start realizing over and over things, and over yeah, again. exactly, <laughs> uh, and uh, which yeah, it becomes part of the part of it itself. Um, right. But this movie, just right off the bat, was visionary, totally yeah. visionary experience, and I was I was stunned. And, like, and I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that really seals the deal is the ending because it's it's an yeah. ending that is not like any other film. Now, this movie didn't do very well, I don't think. Do you think this, like, is that why I don't think it did well. What's the box office numbers on it? Can we look at that? Yeah, I'm betting it was pretty small. And, like, certainly I don't know anybody who talks about this movie, so I'm assuming that it's not not a very popular film. And it's a shame that he didn't really, I mean, this is a great film, but then what was his movie after this? I'm curious. Rush Hour. Which one? Rush Hour. I'm I'm pretty sure he hits with Rush Hour. And then he just does, like. You know, sort of fun. Yeah, and that, that was very popular and made a yeah. ton of money. Yeah, so and he just, just follows that cash. rush. That's yeah. it. Like this so feels he, like he something he wrote. He's actually probably a great filmmaker, but he chooses cash. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Ironically. Yeah. So he chose to go to London. <laughs> Ironically, he chose. He chose. Yes, exactly. He chose the. He chose the, the successful life. But uh, it is really strange. I mean, just to throw it in there, like it's strange. How, it's not like his later filmmaking is bad, bad. But okay, it's, so its budget was sixty million. For it what? Made uh, the Family Man. Really? Yeah. The budget high. That's high, high. That's a lot of money. Yeah. No, that's high, no, high. no, no. Wait. The budget. Or did it make? It made sixty million. Made sixty, I would understand. It made no, no. The budget was sixty million. That's high. That's crazy. Domestic, That's salaries, though. That's salary. Yeah. Nick Cage. It had to be salaries, right? right. Because yeah, uh, domestic. It brought in seventy-five. Plus, yeah, that, to rent that tire place was expensive. It's huge. Yeah, and hard tire, to sell. That's where your money's going. That's where your money's going. Renting a tire place was at least $7 million. The dad from yeah. Fargo, like, yeah. he's yeah. got a big tag seven, on him. Seven to nine million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, international, it made 48. So it made $124 million total. So Which is barely okay. broke even. It yeah, ba- ba- broke even. Broke yeah. even. And I bet you it had, like, zero marketing. Yeah. Like that's a, that is a low performing film. It's a semi successful low. It was yeah, probably like on whatever. every airplane. Yeah. yeah. For two years. Like I guess I'll watch Up to nine eleven. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like that. Like that is yeah. Because there's lots of twin tower shots in this movie. That's very true. But the yeah. Uh, but yeah, like that. It is a. It's a classic. I mean, the the title's a little bland. The setup seems repetitive. You know, like you've seen this movie a million and times. And people were not always fans of Nick Cage. Right. So if well, you go to, especially now today, he's like, this, no, this is, is what... pre Nick Cage kooky though. Yes. This is the tail end of his nineties success. Right. Yeah. This like wasn't he was, so this was, uh, this is like, snakes. this was also, you know, him at like, uh, how, how, when did, when did uh, raising Arizona come out? That was 87. That was 87. 87. So, okay. So yeah. that's a, yeah. So like this is in, this, this should be Moonstruck. His Moonstruck. Moonstruck. His, yeah. Late eighties, kind of early nineties. Yeah. And yeah. then, Shitty yeah. action for twelve years, and then this, yeah. You know? And like, the, like that racing car movie, 
with uh you know zero to sixty. Yeah. Right. Oh, gone, gone in sixty gone, seconds. 60, yeah, like gone in sixty seconds. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a fan of Nick Cage. Uh, Nick Cage's action films don't do very much for me. I'm not a big fan of The Rock. I don't like any of that stuff. Like I just think that's kind of boring. But like it's, I do like crap. his new phase, which is just spectacular. Like you, you oh, see you color, color out of space or Mandy or stuff like this. Yeah. Like I'm I'm 100 percent back on the Cage train. Like it's really stunning, crazy, crazy material. Were so, you the guy, Dan? Were you the guy who shared with us the the the, the YouTube video that? analyzes nick cage's acting as saying maybe he's acting this way yes. for a reason yes there's yes. a really good youtube about that yeah you i like actually it? was watching the the uh the film you recommended chris and the uh it's late so what i'm gonna say is family man and so basically <laughs> <laughs> little little warp there hold on stand with me <laughs> Uh, is that there was such a kookiness about Cage always, where offbeat, kind of like the way he questions things, and he's a tick off a little bit. That yep. I feel like it was like it was perfect for when he. It was great casting for when he was like disbelieving that he wasn't living his life, you know. Yes, and it was like perfect. And even when he was applying for that job, or he goes up and meets with those. Um, the guys on Park Avenue and the Seagram's mm -hmm. building. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, my father had an office there in the 60s, man. That's the Seagram's <laughs> building. Beautiful boy. Yikes. Do you know that nice building? Space. That was a nice great, space. by the way, by the way, he really, I really loved how he got the job. He's like, yes, I, I'm a regional salesman. You know, it's I, perfect. I a tire shop. Like the way he sold them, I was like, I, I, this is what I did. And he's like, okay, it was, there's so. an honesty to it that was beautiful, but there's right. a tick off with him. There's an off kilter thing about him when he listens and respond, it, it just was perfect. Cause he yes. is like that. Yep. So it was perfect. Casting. Yeah, they make use like of David his cage. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. Right. And it was like, he knew he needed somebody who was a little off and you didn't know what he was going to like, I guess it wasn't, you don't know what he's going to do next. Right. Like there's a kind of um, unpredictability about him that I've always liked. Yep. Yeah. And I find also, I found a lot of unpredictability in somebody like we talked about earlier, Robert Mitchum. Mm -hmm. Oh shit! Yeah, I love Mitch. Love right? Mitch. There's just like you no argument don't, there. Not so much he's and Dennis Hopper, but mm -hmm. you there's a little more cartoonish. But there's an unpredictability. You do you didn't know what he was going to do next. Right, right. Because you're just like I don't know about this guy. Yeah, and it's and it's great because like I really like we brought up before and actually Dave just brought up in the chat like there's like this movie is packed with why these is Dave in the chat. Dave is Hold in on. the chat. He's chatting. That's what we want. The, hey, uh, he, but he just brought up Saul Rubinek at, at the uh, corporation was great too. Writer character from Unforgiven. I love that actor. He's really great. And the, uh, and, and the movie loads, is loaded with these character actors that bring a lot of story to the table. You know, Saul Rubinek, you know, when he shows up, you know the kind of character he normally plays. So he's bringing that backstory with him, you know, like he the, also plays Donnie on cheers. I mean, uh, on, Donnie, uh, Frasier. Uh, on Frasier. Yeah, exactly. Right. He married. He, he, oh, it's so very, like, it's very loaded casting. And you did the same with Harv Purnell who plays, um, uh, the, the entire store owning dad is in Fargo, you know, like right. he's the dad in Fargo, but, they, but it gets deeper than that because, because, uh, that, that character, Saul's character on the family man, is mm -hmm. actually a family man. They make a yes. point about it. Like yes. he is the corporate guy who is like it, like attached to his family. And when he, 
he ends up having the position, like basically he runs the company instead of uh, Nick Cage, right? Right. When he right. goes back to visit the company and his office is filled with kids' toys yes, <laughs> because right. his family is always visiting him there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and like, and it's fantastic because the, like with the way that Cage breaks those guys down in that meeting, it's just like, let me tell, you know, I'll, I'll tell you where I see you guys coming from and then breaks them down independently to each other. Not right. insultingly. Right. It's very sort of kind. Like they're mm -hmm. like, these are sort of kind analyses of these guys. They agree with these analyses. Right. And then so later the scene. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then later on, like in the next scene, like Rubinek goes to him and, and plays the card of like, listen, buddy, you're not going to take my office away for a little, does this whole thing and cage's response is like okay i hear it now i mean i hear where you're coming from man that's not what's going on but you know, that's, like it, that's that's the un pardon me that's the unpredictability it's of cage when yes. he laughs like that because yes. it's a little manic you're like and he, <laughs> and he, and he diffuses this entire conflict right yeah. like it like it like the, the Saul rubinak is cast because he brings the story to the table as a personality that's the character he always plays he always and, plays that sleazy guy yeah exactly and like he was it was a little bit sort of mousy and and sort of like he has a secret agenda and he's going after something like this like that's what he just like harf Purnell comes in and plays the top the like the the tough dad you know but then you know like harf Purnell comes in is the cowboy dad who owns the tire store and that's about it like he's just a nice guy and owns the tire store had a heart attack a while ago and that's it like there's yeah. no like they they, they don't they loves don't the Ponderosa. loves the Ponderosa, <laughs> exactly and so saul rubinek like in that one scene like he brings it to the he brings it to the top and he's like i am the b character who challenges your uh, your pitch to be a part of this right, right. And then Cage uses his unpredictability to diffuse that from ever becoming a plot in the in right. a single scene. And I was just like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> like a movie. It's well, just like we're gonna we're, gonna we're gonna, gonna close gonna, that gonna, down. I'm gonna mix some metaphors here. I think what's amazing Please, about Chris, this, will you? <laughs> what's amazing is that there's a lot more nuance to this thing. Yes. And no one is necessarily a good or a bad person in this yes. film, as opposed to it's a wonderful life, which is much more black and white they're just the yes. path they yes, chose literally yes. they're the path they chose yes exactly yeah. and they don't and, have to be this way yeah you know like and the difference but a between lot Rubinek, of them though uh, are but the thing the differential is that even the wealthy guys where he says he always likes that this is how he chooses people he likes people who yeah. need a chance and so forth everyone's caught in their own kind of custom story story yeah. but also yeah. their habits yes yes they, they've called out another great line it was a really hilarious line in that movie and i, I just forgot about it until he just reminded me. when he looks at alan who is his sal's character and goes alan look at you good for you good for you like for he was you. like cheering him on for being yeah. successful yeah but that being, was the that's because the kind he was of demonic thing like but it was it was great but it wasn't but it wasn't demonic. hold on one it second felt, okay you got the yeah, no but fine. the point is wasn't demonic it was just there's an unpredictable it's unpredictable kind of, it's hair trigger. Because hair the, the, the because the thing about Sal, I mean uh, Alan or Sal's mm -hmm. character is that he was always insecure, always right. right? He was insecure when he was out about everything. He, he was, grew, and, and but but his insecurity came out when suddenly his job was threatened by this tire salesman right. that walked into the office. Right, right, right. Because like you see him, <laughs> and you see him, shit. like yeah. you, you, the you see him as two different characters in this movie you see him as the uh world one guy and the world two guy version of Saul Rubinek right, right. and like the world one version of Saul Rubinek is very minimal and very and just like oh no you're right you're right you're right you're mm -hmm. right and the world two version is very like confronting and 
together and he's protecting his turf. Right. right. And well, but and, he's and, insecure, <laughs> but yeah, but it still shows him as insecure. Like it's still beneath uh, the character. Yeah, because that, that's the, the, that's the thing that I think is so important about this is mm-hmm. like, while his life may have been different, his character is the same and his yes. character has always been insecure, yes. no matter yes. how successful or how much he's, Right. You know, he has made, he's made he has made different choices in world right. B, so he's in a different position, but he still has not attended to his basic flaw. Right? Well, like, he hasn't necessarily made different choices. Well, he well, he's been given different opportunities. He's, he's been, yeah, like he's been he's had a different experience primarily because Nicolas Cage isn't there in right. the, in the other world. And so like uh, without Nicolas Cage being there for him to be afraid of, um, he rises to the top of the company. You know, but like the Rubinek Rubinek is living out a story. Uh, as opposed to making like um, making bold choices about his career when like he is when he is free of cage dominating his world he comes closer to making choices and gets further but it's because he right. treats cage like he is someone to be feared or you know like that's my that's my boss like he obviously it it forces him into a different storyline like he doesn't choose anything he chooses to be small you know, and then, like that's that's the that's the big thing that you goes think, on. With this guys, thing. hey, it's Eric. Hi, I'm back. Hello. Hey. Do you think that maybe Cheeto was the devil? Oh, by the way, did you did, were you listening to us the whole time with your headphones? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Nice. Yeah, I, no, don't I don't appreciate think... that, Chris. The words you said about him. <laughs> I don't think Cheeto was the devil, but I don't think he is an angel per se. He's not an angel. He's the right. devil or something. Like he's he's, he's so, the good like, and the bad of the universe. He's a little Dante ish. Yes, there's a little. He's there to fuck with you. Yeah, he's, he's there, there to fuck, with, there to fuck, with, fuck with you, and that's what I love about him. Yeah, and yeah. he tries to, to fuck, fuck with you. other people. He's like, look, I gave her. She's looking at the the money he gives back. He gives her nine dollars instead of a dollar or something. He's right, like, right. look at that, unbelievable. Yeah, like, and then and that's the like he's this force in the universe that provides challenges. Like, I think that he is on the side of good. I am so much more it like well, you know, I am a, 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 a I. <laughs> I went sober on religion about 25 years ago. Mm. So uh, when when you have like the start of It's a Wonderful Life and it's like, here's the, de- you know, the God in heaven and God Jesus God hanging like, out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And who's going to send, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name down to, to, right. to go? Be, it's like, uh, okay. And it's just yep. not, not right. It's like, and especially, you know, to be honest, like – Religion has always been problematic, but as the years have progressed, it's actually gotten worse because of how much it's played into current political climates. Yeah, well, yeah. And yeah. And, and, sure. and and the amount of like irony that that's providing is just very disturbing. Yeah, it's true. So, I mean, so skip that part of it. So when I f- see that in, in, in It's a Wonderful Life, I'm like, well, of course, you know, the the, the the mega crowd loves this film right because right. it's like nostalgic to that period and religion was somehow part of this uh, in a different way or christianity more specifically but uh uh yeah dave <laughs> says modern evangelicals root for mr potter yeah no doubt, <laughs> that's, man. that's right it's like no yes. kidding also props to monkey man's comment uh metaphor mixologist is a wonderful thing that we should have a t- t-shirt for <laughs> chris yeah. you're a metaphor mix- mixologist <laughs> am i <laughs> i think so absolutely <laughs> it's beautiful okay. but yeah uh, no i think you're, i think you're totally right because like the like the this is still a very spiritual movie uh, but it, it is, is. It, but it brings up spirituality in a different way. Like right. the way that Don Chiam uh, uh, appears and he's like, okay, clearly he's from a 
another world. He's he is yes. he is allowing you to experience a parallel universe, right? right? And so, and he does that, and he's definitely trying to figure out the morality of the people around him, right? right. Being it the, the the clerk or the person that could he be an angel that doesn't want his wings? <laughs> That's so good, right? Or cut off, his right? Wings. It's just like right. yeah, like, screw it. I'd rather just hang out and fuck around with people. So whatever. Look, she just took a dollar. Can you believe that? That's unbelievable. Well, yeah, and, and, and like, and, and to your point of him being the devil, Chris. Like, like my sorry. Like to, to to your point of being the devil, Eric. Like he is, uh, he is the devil in the classic, uh, like. Uh, What's the devil's real name? Lucifer? Yeah, Lucifer. Yeah. Like when Lucifer uh, leaves heaven, falls from heaven, it's right. because he is fucking sick of God's controlling shit. Yeah. Like he is, so he is that's like, the same thing Cheadle is. Yeah. Exactly. There's yeah. something about it where it's like, do I really need my wings as he's screwing around with them? Right. Right. Like, come on. The man. other guy yeah. in the in the first movie, uh, uh, he's just like working so hard. And, oh, I got to get my wings. He's like, right. whatever. <laughs> McMonkey Man brings up. I'm also I'm also religion sober. Where my wife uh, has zero Judeo Christian background, and she loves it's a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing is, like that's that's I think that's a great way to point it out because like I feel like I'm I'm not an anti religion guy. Like I am I am not religious, but I'm not. I'm not I, I don't, necessarily. I don't have any I, I, bad no, feelings I, I, about it. Right. I am I am not anti religious. I just basically think that. That, I think that, that religion has taken a turn politically. That is yes. That like is, I, I believe that religion has been like politics has te has been has manipulated people's religious beliefs into cruelty, and right. I think that that is not the point of the beliefs that they that they were sharing previously. They are they've just been manipulated right. by bad people in politics. But and the, a lot of people are are, are 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 calling to kill people for yes. religious reasons, which is. I think Jesus would be not down with that. Right. Like, I don't instance. think Jesus would be up for building a wall and preventing yes. poor people from, from be finding a better life. for Jesus, I'm just going <laughs> right. to say. Uh, but yeah, like the, but, but, uh, the, the idea is, is that It's a Wonderful Life, I think, is actually a very powerful, very good movie. Um, but misinterpreted, it seems yes. like it's endorsing Don't Rock the Boat, except you know, uh, the things you cannot change in a bad way. You know, whereas yes. so this movie, uh, Family Man comes in to sort of rectify that a bit. Like Family Man is the Don Cheadle that comes in and said, like, yeah, let's not get too fucking hung up on that. Like, these are still your choices. Right. You know, like, let's not let's not get too weird about, like, making bad guys out of people in your life. Right. You know, like, no, there are no Mr. Potters, really. You know, like, that's a character that you that you create to react to, you know. And I think and, that, like, I, 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 and Jimmy Stewart was really good in this movie. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah, I love. He's I love. Stuart. Really, really good. And what yeah. was the film that we watched with him that we actually did uh, 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 with uh, Catherine Hepburn? Oh yeah, uh, Philadelphia Story. It's Philadelphia great. Story. Yeah. yeah, that's another weird, like a weird movie like this where you're like, whoa, what is this movie saying? This is a very progressive, yes. strange film for the time. Who is yeah, the director on that? Capra. <sighs> Capra, maybe. I think it's Capra or Cooker. I can't remember. Capra but. did this one. Yeah, Capra did uh, What's Front of Life, sure. Here, like, so the, for those of you who are watching the Twitch and are seeing my background video, just so you guys understand what's happening, I normally film these in Brady's bedroom because it is on the quieter side of the house. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it Brady, sounds like a folk, 
folk band album. What happened is that Brady Brady Aspen Records and Brady had a birthday yesterday, and in uh, for his birthday he requested a recliner. Because we love he this. wanted a recliner for his yeah. birthday, and so we gave him a recliner. And uh, you know, then I, after he set it all up and watched TV, he was watching Frasier. And then, of course, you know, Marty Crane had his recliner. It's like, well, that's where he wants the recliner, right? That makes sense. Uh, and so he's very happy with his recliner. And so we moved the recliner to his bedroom, and uh, he had a big gaming match that he wanted to do with his buddies and he wanted to sit in his recliners with his nintendo switch and play uh, <laughs> video games with his friends and so i couldn't deny that to him so i moved out to the living room which is why you're seeing all this action i think it's me. amazing you get christmas trends the most christmas martini trance ever been I know, that background. I know. And, and karen is making karen is making gumbo back there it smells, and it excited. smells she's great. waving yeah and so and it, 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 it actually it really does it, the, the the gumbo smells really good so i I'm believe really it. excited about the gumbo i'm seeing and it on your lily's, face lily's walking by so so yes and hopefully this isn't uh, the, hopefully the sounds of like pops and pants moving it has not character. been too distracting. Okay, it's all so. good. It's all good. All right, all I, I, we appreciate it, and it's all part of the the, the new character of the show, the yeah. homegrown Martini Giant. So, and, and this is actually a more comfortable place to me to do. So, if you guys don't mind, if you know, if it works out, I, I may do a couple more. Uh, well, like for instance, position. like like if you look at the at the three feeds, like Eric looks like he is like uh, looks very literate, obviously and very serious, yeah, and like has an art and artful background. <laughs> it's very nice. You look like These you have a very books. rich family so life. You have a Christmas tree. You have like beautiful cooking in the background. This is one of two Christmas trees. <laughs> All right, but if you didn't know, if you, look at, if you look at my background, you see a computer monitor. I'm behind another computer, maybe, and it looks like I've been stuffed in a storage closet. So just to give you the full range of, our, uh, yes. of our, what we're trying to represent for everybody, that is the Martini Giant experience. Literary, family life, and maybe oh, homeless man. man. <laughs> You're the literary <laughs> guy. Sure. Yeah. But, I'm, 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 uh, you know what, the, the thing that's also really wonderful about that, uh, about the family man is that I could not be more appreciative of my life now because oh, hell yeah. of that film. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. And there yeah. was something about me, I think, you know, especially. That's so strange. Cause like two weeks ago, he's like, I hate my family. I this hate is terrible. Yeah, I a damn Christmas so this tree. is Christmas. It just makes you totally appreciate <laughs> it. appreciates it so much more. Uh, oh, wait, honestly I'm speaking, sorry. I think, uh, you know, when I graduated college, I was like, no, I'm going to be, a, you know, I, I actually did not, I, I did not uh, uh, like the idea of suburban life right. at all. Right. And I don't necessarily think, you know, d different levels of suburbia live. And I definitely live in suburbia, but I live in suburbia that was yeah. founded in the 40s. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> this is old school Burbank suburbia. Absolutely, man. Some beautiful houses out there. I like yeah. that area. Yeah, Great yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so, we can. So it's it's different. So, but anyway, the the point is like is like when I watched the family uh, the family man, I was like, yep, I'm 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 pretty happy with my life. You yeah, know? for sure, for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like and uh, yeah, like I've said, this is uh, uh this rings very true to my own uh, experience and and choices that uh, you guys both know that I've made in my life, and yeah. uh, uh, and it it's like it's 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 a powerful thing to see. A movie recommend remembering uh, that these kinds of choices are available to you every day, 
right? Like you can change your life for the better every day. And you, yes. if you are, if you are You're aware about of three bad decisions to becoming a homeless person. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> but very realistically for anybody, for anybody. Yeah. Um, so, so, but it, so yeah, it, it, it makes you recognize, it makes you recognize, like look around you and see that this is not random that you're happy. Like this is the culmination of things and people you love and good choices that you've made. And right. like, this is like, this is, this is the, is the result of you being present in your life. That's why it's good. And if you are not feeling that way, then it is the result of choices that you, that you have control over that you can change. You know, right. there's, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, uh, it's uh, like, it's a wonderful life about it where it's just like, well, you're kind of stuck. So put a smile on your face and hope your friends have money as day of 3d. Just <laughs> <out>. <laughs> I, I do have to take exception to that, Dan, a little bit because you do have to accept that, but tomorrow I got to get another root canal. Yeah. And then on Thursday, I have to get a colonoscopy. Oh, so brother. It's just like I have up, no control. No control. <laughs> and it's just like, man, I, I'm helpless here. It's just oh. like, holy Christ. Well, that's the Don Cheadle of it, right? I mean, Don Cheadle is going to come in and, uh, and try to rip off your convenience store. And that's the test. That's right. Like you well, cannot the, control that. That's what's the, uh, that's what's outside of your control. Your little joke about you know the root canal and the colonoscopy mix up. It's not uh, a joke. The, I no, know. Obviously, they did that joke in Idiocracy, which was pretty funny. But uh, also, did they really? Me, yeah, I remember when he's like, "This tube goes in your mouth." This one. No, wait. No, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. No, this one. This one. Yeah. No, I sure. think it was more like you don't really. I I'm very appreciative of my life, but then there's. And where I am, I'm my, my, just my family and my family's happy and it makes me happy. And, and I'm very appreciative of my life, but there are things that are just like, man, I didn't ask for this shit. And you just kind of kinda roll with it. It's like, I no control over this. I will but tell you a, this. There's very interesting. So, 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 so Brady, as you, you guys know, and he's been on the podcast and, and it's funny. He's, he's 11 years old, him. right? Okay. And he's 11 years old and, and he had his birthday yesterday and he, 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 couldn't have a birthday party for obvious reasons and he mm. couldn't do a bunch of things. Um, and you know, he didn't get, you know, all the things that normally come with most kids birthdays parties, but he told us how happy he was. Yeah. Nice. Nice dude. And nice. he actually told us, it's like, and it was funny but the way he said it is like, because of COVID, he told us yesterday, it's like, because of COVID, I lowered my expectations I know that sounds like a negative, but I am so excited about my birthday and because it was so much fun. I love my recliner. Yeah, right. And and it's like, I know when I said I lowered my expectations and it sounds bad, but I, I, it was so genuine. And I was like, well, yeah, because like what he is, what he's really saying there to me is like he is letting go of the story that usually goes along with birthdays. Right. You know, like if that's I, if what I the realize, expectations are. Like, like considering where we are, this is an awesome birthday. He got right. – he, listen, he's totally an old man. He got a recliner. Mm. His request for dinner was filet, filet mignon. Oh, God bless you. Right <laughs> yeah. on. Oh, my God. Is he like complaining about like the budget overflows in Connecticut? That CalPERS will never be this paid is, back. <laughs> I paid into the system. <laughs> my, I paid into that system, and I don't understand it. As soon as he starts to sit in that recliner, he's like complaining about CalPERS. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, man. This is like I, he's an old soul. Once you once you watch uh, the entirety of Frasier twice in one year, yeah, you are definitely on. A oh different no, level. more than that. More oh than my that. god, we amazing. go through all of Frasier in about four weeks. 
That's incredible, dude. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So we beautiful. actually calculated it. We, uh, Brady and I looked at it. It's 96 hours. Right. For, that's, for, for the whole, for the whole, for the series. whole run. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot. That's a fair yeah. run. And we've gone fair through amount. it many times. Yeah. Many times. But it's classic. Uh, it's great material. Great writing. That the writing is so good on Frasier. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Those I jokes. mean, Kelsey Grammer is not uh, making the right choices today because uh, have you seen uh, Money Plane? No. Okay, so we'll look up the trailer for Money Plan, and you'll see where he's at right now. And he, we need to get back to some good choices for Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> what was the best pun? That was one of the best puns. It's like, okay, so I'll set up the joke. It's basically uh, 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 Frazier is trying to get his his son, who's coming to visit him from Boston, his from his divorce. Right. And he's trying to get him a bunch of gifts, and he orders a bunch of them from a store not online, but in the, in the mail. Right. And he gets these, these thing, uh, a box of like brain toys, like for, because he's a smart kid. So like intellectual toys or right. you know, educational toys. And, uh, he, he, <laughs> he says, Oh yes, it's got, it's got this wonderful thing called the living brain where you get to explore all the different parts of the brain, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, Marty says like, well, you know, at least we'll have fun with a box or something, you know, because, kids want you know goofy non-educational toys right <laughs> and so he opens up the box and it's got a bunch of doll houses in there and he goes what's this and he goes oh no this is for a different crane family from kenny bunkport <laughs> <laughs> and he goes and and then now says like you know what this means and he goes yes the cranes of maine have got your living brain <laughs> Oh yeah, there it is. It's a long setup for a beautiful. It was such line. a long setup. But it was. I love that the cranes of Maine have got your living brain. Have got your living brain. Yeah, no, it's true. That is, uh, yeah, like there's a their career changes in everybody's. Then sometimes you get like uh, Fraser, and sometimes you get money plan, or as Todd yes. just referred to it, app paying alimony plan. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is exactly true. Paying alimony yeah. plan. But what yeah, I no, also no. really like about Kelsey Grammer in in Frasier specifically is that mm. his overacting is oh, actually quite entertaining. Oh, wait, that, I mean, absolutely. That's that's some high style stuff. I mean, like he's but, he's but it's, it's overacting. Right. Like it's like yeah. the it's like the over the topness. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, he's doing a, a caricature. That's the whole idea. Oh, yeah, I mean, like like he, he's not trying to be realistic about it. He's trying to put on a, like a put yeah. on a show. He made a lot of money on that movie. On no, that yeah, show. no, he's he's tr and like I think he's extraordinarily funny. I think he's one of the funniest yeah. TV actors of all time. Yeah, and uh, but when you get but when you found when they found that triumvirate of him and John Mahoney and uh, and Niles, like the dad, the brother, and him, like that right. is. That is a, like that's like the Star Trek. And here's of, the irony: John Mahoney of, actually had an English accent. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's he's a British actor. I forgot. <laughs> he's not that's a British. So he's an American actor that grew up in England. That's amazing. That's amazing. And and then uh, he had a British accent, and he spent a lot of time shedding that accent. And he's, you know, that's this. Oh, quite, he was he was terrific. ironic. Can I Great ask accent. you guys a question? Yeah. Um. Have sorry, sorry. Sound like some. Somebody from Ohio. Um, did you ever? Has anybody seen the new Queen? The new Queen. The Crown. The Crown. The Crown. Oh, yeah. Not yet. No. I have I not watched. I've not been I into got, the Crown. I got to tell you, it's like I love the Crown. That's just I, I love. I'm yeah, telling you, dude, the the writing is so damn good, and the filmmaking yeah. is amazing. Really? This season. Oh my 
God, I just have been floored by the filmmaking. Okay. I guess I, I've only seen the first episode of the first one, and I thought I thought the same thing. I was like, the filmmaking in this thing is like this is Dude, like watching a film. The, this is a I've been following all the seasons because I love like I love like twenties and turn of century. Sure. And I, I it's not like I'm a royal person. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. But I just love the homes, Chris. You got to see these oh, homes, fascinating. the Georgian homes. Like the sets are real. Like they really go to. Yeah. Like the apartments are, you know, Adam style apartments or like okay. the, the real homes in the countryside. The sets are incredible, but the writing and the filmmaking on this season blows everything away the past, the previous three. And I yeah, just right. blew through it last week and I was like, my God, I don't know who's directing this, but I, no, I think really you would incredible. dig it. Chris, you would dig it. Just watch yeah. the, because um, it covers Diana, but it's really great filmmaking. Great, that great, great. That sounds great. Yeah, because no, okay. I really was impressed with the little bit that I saw, and I just put it on my checklist yeah, you to see just, I watched it. The, the beauty about this, you can go anywhere. You can go to any season and just pluck in and you dive yep. in. But and to relate season, to, to Family Man, uh, hmm. uh, Tia Leone, who is married, married to David Duchovny, who played with X-Files, did What's Her Name, who plays Thatcher. That's right. Yes, that's right. Got it yes. all connected. Nice. The, go, the woman that plays Thatcher is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah that's what's her actor. name from the X Files. Yep. Who? Yeah, the she's main, what's, what's her, her name? name? Come Dave on, guys. Guy. What's her name? Dave Three D guy. Who's the woman who plays Jillian uh, 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 Anderson? Jillian Anderson. Anderson. Thank you. There we go. Plays Thatcher in the. Yes. Yes. Oh my! As far God. as I know, yes, I believe that is true. That's that's her performance is phenomenal. I didn't even know it was her. Yeah. Yeah. Jillian yep. Anderson played that. No, she's yes. great. Oh, she's, she's English, fantastic. isn't she? Yeah, she is. She's also yeah. a great. You got it. You have it's to see funny. this, guys, because the Thatcher—it's incredible filmmaking. And Chris, the sets. Prince, just so you know, Prince Charles buys his old home, and he's going to refurbish it. He, Prince Charles is kind of a knucklehead, but the home <laughs> is so. Yeah. Chris, the architecture is so incredible right, on this right, old right, estate right. that he refurbishes. I was like, oh, I'll take that. I love it's it, really dude. stunning work. That's awesome. um, and the lighting is incredible. I was like, man, it's good to see good filmmaking like this. And then I rolled onto Mank, which yep. I originally told Dan, I was like, oh, I started watching Beethoven. I was like, I didn't, it's not Mank. That's a very close call though. And like I said, <laughs> I, I, I think, I believe that Gary Oldman is Beethoven also. That's the thing. <laughs> Nobody knows that. He is an just uncredited a magician, thing. man, a chameleon, chameleon, that guy. Uh, but yeah. He is, but he's also like a big overactor. Oh yeah, he's a ham. He's one of my favorite Big hams. Ham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't like it. There's, there's ham good and there's ham bad. Like I really, really like Oldman's big ham. Like I think yeah. he's just fantastic. And like, I mean, he's like just watched a bunch of Dracula, and him as old oh, Dracula God, is Dracula. just terrific. <laughs> man, you can't, you can't chew the scenery more than oh, that. Oh wait, 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 wait. There's ride, another man. one. What's the, the uh, uh, what's the, uh, uh, what's the one uh, with the, the professional? That's where he really. Oh yeah, everyone. <sighs> yeah. No, true romance. Yeah. True. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, what? True romance. No, you're thinking it's a, it's the professional when he says everyone. That's he yes. takes the cracks the he looks up and cracks the pill. Yeah. 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 But you know, but in Oldman true is, romance, you remember him in true romance? Oh, oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, sorry, I was just delivered some soup. Thank you. <laughs> uh yeah no i mean yeah he's i mean the guy's just amazing and like sometimes he delivers a very subtle bit of work you know like i really loved him as uh george smiley and um uh tinker taylor soldier spy I I got, great. that's back on i think um it's it's free now not free you pay for it but it's on uh 
I think uh, Prime. So I've got to watch it again because I love that. Oh, film. that movie is terrific. Yeah, it's terrific. I'm I'm a huge Licoré fan. As yep. uh, Dave, 3D guy and Monkey Man know that I'm, I like I'm I eat up Licoré, and that's one of the very few Licoré movies that. That, grab, that gets it. Uh, Tinker, Tinker Taylor, Taylor Soul. Yes. Yeah, just yeah. terrific. Just terrific. A little drummer girl, too. Oh, I haven't it. seen the show for that. Like, I heard that that was. There's a uh, movie that came out in the 80s. Yeah, with, yeah that's yeah. with Diane King, yeah. which is pretty good. Which is not yeah. a bad movie. That's a good movie. Um, and, uh, Isn't Dogs uh, of War also a Click Hooray film? No, no, I don't think so. No, but yeah. it has that. It does have a little bit of that same flavor. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, there's been like a Taylor of Panama, which is okay. There's um, a few other ones, but like, really, Tinker Taylor grabs that incredible like melancholia it's also of the a movie you have to watch experience. a few times to like wait what happened <laughs> yeah exactly because I me mean, it's like yeah it's so if you're just like it, everyone is talking this weird no, those library language. scenes are incredible because yeah. it's all so cg good. oh yeah no it is uh, no there's loads of cg in the movie actually it's bizarre yeah, yeah it's yeah. like it's just like when we we're talking that about that whole the, library um, sequence i remember seeing the breakdown it was blown away yeah no it's really thrilling how much they did so well so right but and yeah, while, oh, and, while, while we're talking about uh, stuff that's uh, uh, that's uh, come out or that you should pay attention, uh, uh, Lily, uh, who when she did her anime thing, she just reminded me today that the new season that they, she's been waiting for for three years of Attack on Titan has come out today. Oh, we didn't know that. Oh, nice. So if you're an Attack on Titans fan, if you're an anime fan, that is nice. just out. So you guys should check that. Catch that. Out. That sounds and great. She's like so excited. Jeez, we have um we have just started watching uh the Queen's Gambit, catching up on that one, and uh, that's really good. Is We're that only good? a few episodes. Yeah, it's really really good, really good movie. Dave three D was, was recommending that as well. It's extremely well. well eventually, I want to watch what's the what's the, the 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 HBO Max show, the crazy one, the Raised by Wolves. When, oh yeah, I'm what, dying to see the rest of that. First episode what, what, great. When I when I actually. <laughs> Get my HBO Max going. I'll watch the race by wolves. Yeah, when you're not limited to like you know what uh, uh, Sex in the City and Arliss and the Family Man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I'm I'm I haven't I'm I'm holding off on going back to um, uh, HBO until they get their act together. But yeah. I will be getting it obviously, so I can watch all those movies. Um, but Raised by Wolves, I watched the first episode, and man, oh man, I was good old fashioned crazy sci-fi, crazy crazy. No, yeah, what was that, that looks Eric? Great. What was your question? Jake Gyllenhaal? No. In which? Uh, Raised by Wolves? Mm -mm. No, Raised by Wolves is some Ridley Scott, right? Isn't that mm -hmm. who it is? Yeah. yeah. I sent you guys an email, by the way. Okay. Yeah, Raised right. by Wolves has a very 1960s sci-fi novel kind of flavor to it. Like, it's a little bit uh, Man Who Fell to Earth, 1974. Yeah. Nick Rowe kind of flavor. La, la, la. It's really bizarre. It's really beautiful and bizarre. Now, ooh, I don't know if the show sustains the first episode. Really Do you think fun. I would like it, Dan, or no? I think so. The design, you really like the way they go with the design. Like, the design is really wild. Like, it's very 50s, 60s sci-fi. Where do you the, see this? Uh, HBO. HBO Max. Oh, Christ. I Here's the problem, guys. And I just want to just go on a tangent here. Dan, is it okay if I can go Please. on a tangent? Yes. I have HBO <laughs> non-Max. And I, in order to go to Max, I've got, it's a whole thing with Hulu that I have. If I can go on this tangent, if you guys don't mind, is, is that okay? Um, yep. But I signed up and now I can't switch over. And so I'm fighting them. And I'm going to take HBO to court, but that's a that's a side note. I think that's well, it. you know what? I think Eric, why don't we? There's two of us, and I believe we that could do a class action, a class action lawsuit. There we go, class action lawsuit. 
<laughs> I swear, man. It's just like HBO. We get Dan to represent us, and it will be a whole podcast. I'm out of order. You're out of order. Your yeah. honor. <laughs> I'm going to get Giuliani to represent us. It'll be perfect. <laughs> That's a good idea. Oh, God. Did you guys oh see the link? Imagine if we email like, uh, him and try to get him to represent us yes. as we take on HBO for our podcast. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. And we'll do it on a state by state basis. So one yeah, for Florida, that's... one for California. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. God. Oh God! <laughs> like, I, by the I, way, I, I just learned something about Florida. Do you know why the COVID seems lower in Florida? Because they're they're fudging the numbers. Because <laughs> they they're take, <laughs> they take the twenty five day average and then pull a number from that, oh, so it doesn't reflect panic. spikes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mostly yeah. it's mostly it's at 100. Fudging the but numbers. Sometimes it's at one. That's they're that's that's smart stuff, though. That's called smart stuff. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's... I found out from a surgeon uh, I know like two days ago. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. On, it's insanity. On any given day in Florida, we only have three new cases. If that given day happens to be very that's early essentially in the month, that, on a dude. Thursday, no joke, dude. That's specific. essentially it. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh, no surprise. No yeah. surprise. Yeah, the Florida numbers are fudged. They knew that. They actually had a whole report about the Florida numbers being fudged. Oh, God. Yeah, that's crazy stuff. Why? Yeah. Why? Like, Why can't we all just be the same? Why can't we all be Because they don't want to change, Because they don't want to change the numbers. They want you know? to basically – listen, if facts don't that's fit your agenda – That's politicizing. If facts politicizing. don't fit your agenda, you find other facts. <laughs> that don't, but one of those are not facts, right? Yes. <laughs> just to be clear yes yeah other facts are not exactly facts yeah boy that's yeah. my opinion if you don't like it i have others yeah yeah exactly <laughs> sure i mean I, I i'm only i'm i only say just because it ends up with people dying maybe don't do that <laughs> just maybe. saying maybe, maybe. Just to at throw some it point someone someone's gonna die and the, yeah. the crowds and crowds and crowds in Georgia of Trump supporters that are gathering to protest. I'm like, oh, oh look, here you go. Oh, man. I feel bad. I feel bad. That's okay. what's happening. We're going to have to wrap this up because uh, it's getting – Brady's actually watching Frasier right now. Oh, it's starting again, around right. five. Yeah. Would you wish, wish him a happy birthday from our family? Yes. And uh, I think Brady, uh, Lily Brady, talks come to here? Olivia too. Everyone wants to say happy birthday to you on the podcast. Happy birthday! And I think Olivia, uh, happy birthday, <laughs> happy birthday, and happy birthday! Congratulations, happy birthday, dude! Congrats on the Barker Lounger. <laughs> yeah, awesome stuff. No, look, look, he's gonna play some guitar for you. Nice. Here it is. <laughs> yes, exactly. But here's the deal: Happy birthday! You're 11. Enjoy yourself and that lounger. I can't believe you got a lounger though. But that's quite that's a thing. Nice. It's beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> Even Jason saying happy birthday to you. There you go. See, <laughs> nicely done. Nicely done, everybody. It's like a family podcast now. It is. <laughs> but he's already been on. We already uh, had a feisty talk about yeah, War of the and Worlds. He's got his. He's got his. Uh, his deck Actually, deck. one of the best images I've done is you guys through the glass window. Yeah, it's true. That, it's a good one. One of the best images he's done is us. Remember when we did um, uh, history of uh, uh, War of the Worlds? Is the, the, you and I through that glass window? Remember that image? Yep. Yeah, and also, I, I really, really wish they would make History of War of the Worlds <laughs> with Mel Brooks. <laughs> Mel Brooks, of History of, of the World. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go back to watching Daphne and Miles.
All right. Happy birthday, sir. All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much. It looks like next week we're doing Mank and Citizen Kane. That is going to be a bonkers episode. Yep. Uh, so it. we'll get ready for that. And then after that, it's uh, the holidays. Well, thanks to everybody for so joining Saturday. Us in the chat. That's been very exciting all day. Yep, Saturday. I uh, sent you guys emails about asks and one image of Dan for President's. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. Okay, we'll so we'll get images. So next, actually coming out next week on the actual podcast will be all the President's Men. So that's coming out soon. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for everyone who has attended this on uh, Twitch. Really appreciate it. I love having you guys on. Uh, let people know about it. Uh, thank you, Alan, for participating in the chat as well. Yeah, super uh, excited. Thank you. Love to, love to have you on uh, uh, next time, uh, which will be next week, probably Saturday. We usually do this Saturday. The only reason that we did it on Sunday uh, today is because it was Brady's birthday yesterday, and I uh, wanted to make sure that he could do his birthday. So uh, yeah, that's do. what we got. Uh, and uh, uh, there we go. Hit, us, gonna... hit us up on uh, Twitter at um, uh, at Martini Giants, uh, yep. and uh, get us on Instagram at Martini uh, Martini underscore Giant, and mail us at uh, podcast at martinigiant.com and hit us up at Facebook Martini Giant uh, slash Facebook Facebook Martini Giant, and we are relatively interactive and we love having you here to chat. So please send us anything you want us to cover, and uh, don't feel bad about hitting us up for any questions. Yeah, and and uh, and Dave loves the fact that Eric's playing us out on guitar. That's <laughs> new shit. Right. Ready? Thanks. All right, drink, talk, talk, talk. <laughs> Someone has to end with drink. Drink, talk, talk. Dan, <laughs> it's the delay. Okay, I'm going last. No, I'm you, going you last. Go go last. Okay, drink, talk. Oh, don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you.